From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Seven minutes past the hour. Thanks for waking up early in the morning. Busy news day. A lot to get to. Kirk Conover at 7. Chuck Malamon at 8. Dr. Bob Zlotnick at 9. A jam-packed early in the morning. And it is primary election day in many, many states. We'll get into a lot of it this hour and uh, some of it next hour with Kirk. This I file under a very bad move, and I'll back it up. It's clear I prefer Mehmet Oz over David McCormick, and now even more so. When Republicans feel that they're going to lose, which obviously he does feel like he's going to lose, there's very few ballots left to count, and he's down by about 1,992 to be exact. I mean, obviously, excruciating, excruciatingly close. It will trigger an automatic recount. And look, if there's a tabular error, it wouldn't take a big one if one particular ward transposed some numbers, made some. I mean, it's look, there's been five. This will be six recounts in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania history. Each and every time going into this one, and this is clearly going to be within point five of a percentage it's less than 0.1 i mean it's it look it's a terrible thing I, I i personally know what it's like to lose an excruciatingly close election it stinks and you, ju- you just have to take it like a man mccormick is not he is filing litigation and it's it's all wrong he wants undated mail-in ballots to count now would he be would he be suing for that if he was winning by 992 votes against a Democrat, let's say, and the belief was that the Democrat had more mail-in ballots, he, he, he sees that in this election versus Oz, he has done a better job with mail-in ballots. But they are illegal. Ballots that are undated, they're dangerous. I mean, this is why I don't like this whole mailing crap. I wish we could just vote at the polls. If you're too sick to vote, if you're a college student and you're away, the handful of reasons why you used to be able to have a mail-in ballot, absentee ballot, and that's it. Overseas, if you're in the military, make no mistake, I want everybody to vote that wants to vote. But this stuff that weeks later, you don't know who wins is garbage. So McCormick, I I mean, I don't even like the guy now. I I was very satisfied that no matter how it went, one of them would win. Uh, But trying to win in the worst way is just never a good thing. Both the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and the United States Third Circuit, I had to remember which one, Third Circuit Court of Appeals, sometimes called the 
Third Circus Court of Appeals have held, long held, that mail-in ballots should be disqualified. I believe that that's the case. And if they don't, then they're going to be legislating and not actually being judges. So he thinks he's got the case. He And, you know, they'll judge shop. They'll take it to some liberal court. And, and look, who knows? It's a shame the way this is going that it's a Republican against a Republican. So it's hard to say other than on the issue itself. McCormick could find relief. Don't be shocked. I, I certainly won't be shocked. If some judge says, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, no, the intent of the voter, oops, oops, they forgot to put the date. If you don't put the date, the ballot is illegal. It's it's that simple. You have to have some standards with this stuff. Or what, you could have ballots sitting for years. Why don't we just start printing them up? And just have them undated and turn whatever you need in. I mean, he now knows he needs about a thousand votes. It's I, I hate this this type of situation when you know exactly how many you need. And then you go after them. And if you can't find them, you try to create them. The lead is excruciatingly small. It's been under 0.1. It's been as low. I've seen it as low as 0.08. And if McCormick loses, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing to go through. Fortunately, this guy is very, very rich. He won't miss the millions of dollars that he spent. But he did spend millions and millions of dollars. They're looking at um, cases in the past where appellate courts have allowed these types of ballots to be counted. Back in 2021, there was a disputed election. I mean, McCormick might pull this off. There was a disputed election. And a court said, yep, count count these uh, undated ballots. And I don't know how many there are, but I think it's thousands. And McCormick would probably win the majority of them. I'll try to find out how many undated ballots there are. They have a lot of arguments. They're saying, look, you know, ballots are time stamped at the county boards of elections. So the handwritten date is meaningless according to McCormick but it's in the law there's a reason it's required so this is this is what you can expect when certain republicans lose they behave like democrats bad move by McCormick horrible to lose such a close election uh if it were to go that way he look he could still pull it out without doing this kind of circus stunt Oz says that McCormick's attempt here with the mail-in ballots will not change the outcome. 
And, quote, David McCormick has been a formidable opponent, but it is becoming obvious that he is likely going to come up short, said the Wizard of Oz. Unfortunately, the McCormick legal team is following the Democrats' playbook, a tactic that could have long-term harmful consequences for elections in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Have you noticed? I mean, I, I see it. Oz has said all the right things during the election, and they came at him hard. Some nasty stuff at the end. But he said all the right things during the election, and he has said all the unifying right things after the election. I think he's the smoother, better candidate. McCormick's got a great resume. Very, you know, military, very successful in business, uh, this kind of thing. And, and I will tell you that a number of my friends are supporting McCormick and not Oz. I haven't spent an inordinate amount of time talking about it, but I've talked about it quite a bit. And I've been in support of Oz, to be honest with you, simply because President Trump, if, it, if, if President Trump was supporting an unacceptable candidate, I wouldn't just go along with it. But this is who Trump wants. I believe in a couple of years, Trump will be president. This is who he would prefer to work with. It would be for his whole four-year term. Oz would have six. But there would be four at the time that Trump would become president. And, you know, I'm a big believer, you know, give the president the uh, the candidate of their choice. McCormick is not unacceptable to me. This circus stunt is unacceptable. And I do agree with Mehmet Oz that if McCormick wins on this, the, maybe he wins this battle today, but the long-term war, politically speaking, is lost over it. We'll be back. It's early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio, 95.5. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a little bit. Much more straight ahead. Fox News Commentary. I'm Jimmy Fallon, and I'll tell you why the climate change crowd picked a bad wingman. Next. America could soon enter stagflation territory with slow economic growth, high unemployment, and high inflation. That is why I recommend gold IRAs from Birch Gold Group. Hi, Stephen K. Bannon here, and I want to remind you to get Birch Gold's free info kit on sheltering your savings with gold IRA. To get your free copy, text the word SHELTER to 989898. With stagflation looming, it's critical that you act today. Text SHELTER to 989898 right now. Photo has gone viral of hundreds of private jets sitting on the runway in Davos, Switzerland, where world leaders are gathering to discuss economic issues and climate change. Now, the crazy part is the photo was tweeted by the organizers of the conference, meaning they showed the jets on the runway to announce that everyone had flown in to kick off the climate change conference. But taking 100 private jets to your climate change conference is like opening your clean water convention with an oil spill. It's like opening an alcohol intervention with a keg stand. The point being, it's the complete opposite of what you're supposedly there to do. Like Earth to climate people, if you want people to take your gloom and doom predictions seriously, first they have to take you seriously. Which is why climate change will continue to be a tough sell until their habit of flying private jets changes. And anyone else who tells you otherwise is just plain nuts. I'm Jimmy. Sean Hannity this afternoon at 3. Now. Early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. 
Welcome back at 22 minutes past the hour. You've tuned into the Hurley in the Morning program. We thank you for it. And you're listening to WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station. Maybe, just maybe. And let's see what Kirk Conover has to say about this next hour. This will be on our list. Stacey Abrams, it is possible. See, you, you can never be sure when you have a Democrat media that is willing to forgive anything, to lie, to cheat, which is what they do. But Stacey Abrams may have jumped the shark once and for all in Georgia. And perhaps even the Democrat national media can't help her this time. She called it's it's unambiguous. She called Georgia the worst state. This just in from Harry Hurley, life coach in my next iteration. Don't call your own state, especially when you're running for office. Don't call your state the worst state in the country. Brian Kemp said, quote, Stacey Abrams may think differently, but I believe Georgia is the best state to live, work and raise a family. Ripping Abrams dystopian view of her potential constituency. And quote, Marty, the girls and I will work hard every day from now until November to keep it that way for four more years. Look, I've told you this from the beginning, and I, I get I get some of the hate mail for it. Sonny Purdue had no chance, no chance over Brian Kemp, despite President Trump's endorsement. His endorsement is all powerful. He's something like 80 something and three. I have to give him credit, though, because he knows that Kemp is going to win, but he just can't go with him because he feels that Kemp left him down big time. And look, Kemp did make a very big mistake. For whatever reason, he was weak and he did the consent order that abruptly and and fatally changed election laws in Georgia. Now, they buttoned a lot of it up and, and tightened things up. And you're going to see a difference this time. But I don't blame President Trump. But Kemp is going to win. Kemp is going to win by a lot over Purdue. So here is, uh, she's trying to dig herself out of the quicksand. Quote, I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. Wow. Wow. What a this this is the kind of statement that I promise you. I know exactly where this comes from. This comes from a psycho narcissist. Who the national media has built up like she is already not not a office holder, but some kind of queen. They put her in some Star Trek movie and she was the president of the world, not the United States, president of the whole world, I think. And they have just built up this loser. 
Very similar to what the media tried with Beto O'Rourke. They just try to what they did with Obama. They just try to manufacture there when there is no there there. Let me repeat that, though, because it's it's no matter what you say. And no matter how you try to clean it up later, because she knew. Not too long after saying this, that the expected political fallout for this misjudgment would be would be just deafening. Quote, I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. Now, even if you say later, uh, let me contextualize. When you're number 48 for mental health, when you're number one for maternity mortality, when you have an incarceration rate that is on the rise and wages on the decline, then you're not the number one place to live. Georgia is capable of greatness. We just need greatness to be in our governor's office. Oh, in other words, you. We need, I mean, is this a sick individual or what? Georgia, it's like, it's like the Clintons, the Obamas. Uh, we are the people we've been waiting for. Sound familiar, all this? That the, the first time in my life I'm proud of my country? Sound familiar? In other words, everything sucks unless they're in charge. Do you understand? Georgia can't be great unless you have me in the governor's office. Then the second, if she were to win that, she's not going to. But if she won that, then five seconds later, she's running for president. Guaranteed. Even when she loses she might still run for president. Remember, Kemp was endorsed by President Trump when he defeated Stacey Abrams. And remember, this is a very infamous general election of four years ago because Stacey Abrams never conceded. To this day, they still keep bringing up that anybody who didn't just doesn't support that Joe Biden won that this is you should be able to be criminally charged. This is some kind of high crime, a terrible thing. You just have to accept. But yet Hillary Clinton has never, never conceded. Stacey Abrams has never conceded. And I'm sure there's other examples. Purdue has Trump's endorsement this time, and it's not going to matter. He's going to absolutely be blown out. It's not going to be close. When we come back, we'll share some of the races to watch today in Georgia, in Alabama, in Texas. Uh, a lot to cover. Oh, and by the way, um, your humble, unassuming mayor of the morning, that would be me, filling in tomorrow coast to coast. And when you count the uh, the digital platform throughout the cosmos, throughout the known universe, we are filling in tomorrow for our good friend, Brian Kilmeade. And I did tell you the story a few days ago at Talkers New York. What a what a thrill. I mean, what a what a great honor. I'm going to get to do a one on one on stage interview. At Hofstra University. With Brian Kilmeade. That's coming up on Friday, June 10th. Tomorrow we'll be filling in 
here from 10 a.m. until 1 p.m., live nationally from 9 a.m. to 12 noon. The Brian Kilmeade Show tomorrow, filling in for Brian. We'll be back. This is Hurley in the Morning, WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 because of you. South Jersey's number one talk station. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And it is approaching 31 minutes past the hour as Harry Hurley with three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. This is such an unbelievable story, and we've got it. A near-death experience for former Ventnor Mayor Michael Bagnell. Great guy, by the way. Check it out. Oh, my gosh. Atlanta County prosecutor confirms a fatal shooting in Pleasantville and Atlantic City's small mayor disrespectful upon Gene Robinson's passing. Check it out. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. Today could be our coolest day in over two weeks as we fall into an unsettled weather pattern thanks to the return of that easterly onshore breeze. Lingering showers this morning, then mostly cloudy skies holding on this afternoon. High temperature limited to 63 degrees. Quiet and cool tonight with scattered clouds, low of 54. And tomorrow, not bad. Partly sunny and dry, high of 66. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Are you in excruciating... Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. That is correct. Thank you for waking up early in the morning at 36 minutes past the hour. Here are some races to watch. Uh, We've been... I think we're going to be right on this. It might go to a runoff. Boy, I'll tell you, I can't stand this Georgia stuff. Just run the damn thing. And whoever wins, wins. This runoff, crap. But Herschel Walker could fall below 50%. He'll win. I'll guarantee Herschel Walker wins today. I think he has a reasonable chance of getting over 50%, but he might not. So we're not we're not going to call that he wins the uh, nomination today, but I hope that he does. And I love this matchup, Herschel Walker versus who's just a decent, ordinary, civil, smarter than people know, terrific guy versus this complete radical nutwing Raphael Warnock. And somehow that race is considered a toss-up right now, which is pretty sick. Brian Kemp versus David Perdue. I think I called him Sonny. There is a Sonny Perdue. He was the uh, cabinet secretary for President Trump. I think they're cousins. David Perdue, it's not going to happen. Brian Kemp, it'll be like secretariat in the Belmont Stakes. It is, it is blowout time. And, of course, the Democrat media will get into Trump's endorsement isn't, you know, I mean, they're just sick. Look, this is unique. He's backing a guy just like he backed Madison Cawthorn. He's backing a guy that he knows is going to lose. Trust me. I know him. Trust me. But they'll make a big deal of it. Raffensperger versus Heiss. Jody Heiss is a congressman. We've interviewed Jody Heiss. He's been close to Raffensperger in recent polls. And it, and I would say 
edge Raffensperger. However, Heiss is coming on strong and he's probably Trump's best chance at unseating a Georgia Republican incumbent. Now they have this newly drawn 7th Congressional District that pits two Democrat U.S. representatives, Carolyn Bordeaux and Lucy McBath. They have to run against each other. It's always uh, unfortunate when that happens. Bordeaux was the only Democrat to flip a Republican House seat in the November 2020 elections. McBath, a gun control advocate, And this race is take your pick. And in Alabama, Mo Brooks, who suffered through the indignity of losing Trump's endorsement, has come back from the abyss and is probably a very close second in this race. We'll see what happens, but he's got a shot. Of pulling this off. You've got the um, the favorite at this time is Katie Britt, not famous, but the former chief of staff to the retiring U.S. Senator Richard Shelby. She's still the favorite, but Brooks has made it a competitive race. This one is very sad. Henry Cuellar is a moderate Democrat in Texas. You know, that term is overused and many times it's a radical democrat but the media calls the person moderate henry cuellar has been fantastic and i hope he wins he's a democrat but i hope he wins because he has been courageous he has fought with all these issues at the border just forcefully fought to call out the biden administration so they have a progressive challenger named jessica cisneros i don't know she's related to henry cisneros but but it's so incestuous these democrats that i'll look it up and i guarantee you she probably is wife somehow related sister whatever this will be in november competitive regardless but if cuellar wins he probably he can keep his seat Although not guaranteed. And if the if Cisneros wins, that's a Republican pickup. And then all eyes also are on Texas. We'll no doubt be talking about all these races on Kill Me tomorrow and here. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Now, he's been under indictment for a long time. Since 2015, very protracted, it's state security fraud charges. He will run again. He won while under this indictment. He'll run again while under indictment. And he will face Texas State Land Commissioner George P. Bush, who is the nephew to President George H.W. Bush, son of Jeb Bush. course makes him the grandson of president george hw bush i like george p bush i think he's a great guy but i like ken paxton a lot too i've had the pleasure of interviewing him several times nationally for fox news radio really really good guy 
it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. doesn't seem like the indictment, though, uh, ever does anything to his level of support. It's kind of interesting. Well, we called it in real time, and it certainly did become a very, very big news story yesterday. And that is when President Biden answered yes to basically saying he would go to war with China. And again, it's it's typical dangerous Joe doesn't know what he's saying, incoherent. And then his staff, five minutes later, has to say, oh, no, no, we haven't changed our policy. I mean, since when? When the president of the United States speaks, is that not the policy? I mean, this is madness. It really is. That's another item that we have on our list for Kirk Conover coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll be back. Final break this hour. It's the Hurley in the Morning program on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hurley in the Morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM. 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. Thank you. Welcome back. 49 minutes past the hour. It's early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 South Jersey's number one talk station, all because of you. And we certainly know it loud and clear. Honored. So pleased. This portion of the Hurley in the Morning program is also brought to us in part by Ambient Comfort Heating and Cooling Professionals. The official and exclusive provider for the Hurley in the Morning program and for the Hurley family personally. They do it all. They do air quality systems and so much more. So if your system is hanging on by a thread and you don't know if you're going to be able to get by the summer season. Because it's going to heat up and it's going to stay hot for several months. Give my friends at Ambient Comfort a call. 609 568-0955. I can tell you they have excellent financing that's available. So if this is a a major purchase that you're not able to put all of this out at one time, talk to them about their financing options. They have many. 609-568-0955. That's 609-568-0955. On the web at ambientcomfortnj.com. Well, this is another one that's on our list for Kirk Conover. When Joe Biden said this, see, I can't be shocked about anything. Literally anything can come out of his mouth. I'll tell you, it's, it's again, I think that they hate it, his team. They hate it when he goes away because when he goes away, the media uh, crew is there the national media, the world media for that matter, and they cannot control him or circumstances the way they can when they're at home. I mean, I'm telling you, the man's day starts very late, ends early, and Friday, usually by midday, they put a lid on it, and he's on his way to Delaware. I mean, this is, we have this fragile, part-time, American president in in name only it's it's it is such a dangerous circumstance I mean this guy basically declared war on China yesterday
But then his staff says, oh, no, 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 we haven't changed the, this, the long-stated policy in the United States. Well, wait a minute. Then doesn't that beg for the media to, to delve in and say, well, what's going on here then? What's he saying this stuff for that you have to keep cleaning up, you know, aisle uh, clean up on aisle seven? Here's the latest. This is while, while he was with Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida. Joe Biden said that the country, meaning America, is going through, quote, an incredible transition away from fossil fuels via the high gas prices being experienced nationwide. He's praising high gas prices as an incredible transition Americans must go through. This is this is crazy. And yet it goes on. Quote, here's the situation. And when it comes to the gas prices, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that God willing, when it's over, will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less resilient or reliant, rather, on fossil fuels when this is over. Now, I don't care if this guy is incoherent. They're not admitting it. They're pretending everything is just perfect. He is justifying and praising the sky-high prices that we are facing at the pump. And really, it is the Obama-Biden doctrine. Obama wanted gas to be $10 a gallon. Absolutely. This would be great. Uh, A big supporter, maybe he heard my earlier comments. I hope he did. A big supporter of David McCormick wants to uh, to call in. Now, let's see here. Uh, let's do this. And I'll ask Kirk if he can cut out maybe a little early. The only time we're going to be able to do it only. Let me just t- text him. This is a former uh, President Trump senior staffer. Really good guy. Only opening... It's 7.45 a.m. That's all I can do. And I have to say, Kirk, Kirk, if you're listening, uh, this is uh, James Schultz, by the way. Last time I saw James was at the event at uh, Tony Coppola's uh, Smithville Inn with Congressman Jim Jordan. Really good guy and a good friend. It's one of the people that, okay, let's see. Yep. Great. Awesome. And I think he wants to talk about something in addition to that. I'll uh, clear this up during the break. But uh, James Schultz is going to join us at 745. So we'll have Kirk until 740. And uh, we'll be compressed, but we'll get a lot in. And this will be interesting because James is a very talented attorney. It's going to be interesting to hear his take on what typically Democrats would be pushing for which is counting mail-in ballots that don't have required things, whether it's, I mean, it's really, if you think about it, is it that much different than a ballot that doesn't have a signature? People will fight, well, you got to count that ballot too. Just, oops, I forgot to sign the envelope or whatever. People do it. 
I mean, that's why you have to be careful. Joe Biden is talking about tapping into the strategic diesel fuel reserve. You never hear about that. You hear about the strategic oil reserves, you know, with the basic uh, oil, but you don't really hear about it with diesel. In fact, the only time that the diesel fuel reserve has ever been tapped was in 2012 by President Obama after Hurricane Sandy battered the East Coast, obviously including our region. And you might remember that uh, very famous gathering in Brigantine with President Obama, with Denny Levinson, with uh, the state legislators, uh, with uh, then Mayor Phil Gunther. I mean, it was pretty it was pretty amazing, actually. I remember writing uh, quite an article about it, but that's the only time ever that the strategic diesel fuel reserve. Keep in mind, that's not a strategy. It doesn't do anything. But diesel prices are, I mean, they're over $6 a gallon in places, well over $6 a gallon. Pretty amazing. The GOP found something to agree with President Biden, and that's always good. Whenever you can find something to agree with when things are so politically divided, that's always very helpful. And Republicans are now pressuring Biden and the White House to now firmly commit to a clear response on defending Taiwan. This is why what President Biden did yesterday is very dangerous. Because it invites these types of counter salvos back at the process. Because when the president says, yes, we will go to war with China if China attacks Taiwan. And then underlings of the president five minutes later say that's not true. We haven't changed our policy. And now Republicans are asking the White House to commit to defending Taiwan which I think we do have to to do that. I don't want war. But this is why Putin attacked Ukraine, because this administration displayed weakness. President Trump, be honest now. You, you may not like him. You may not like the mean tweets. But President Trump had the respect. All the things that we see going on right now that are so incredibly inconsistent, dangerous, incompetent in many ways, and that have weakened just America's prestige around the world. These are all the things that the Democrats and the Democrat media, one and the same, said that we can't have President Trump because he will just destabilize the world and do all these crazy things. But that's not the case. Kim Jong-un being very provocative right now, he was in check. Xi was in check. Trump was slapping down tariffs like chiclets. Iraq was, uh, not Iraq, Iran was contained and he was taking them financially to their knees. They were broke as a joke. Afghanistan was under control. 
Putin wasn't even thinking about attacking Ukraine. I mean, this is not political. All of these things have happened under Biden's watch. So now you have Republicans pressing Biden to stand with Taiwan against China. He said he would. And then his people said we won't, basically. Kirk Conover is next. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We are back. It's six minutes past the hour. We have a very eventful seven o'clock hour. We have Kirk Connor for... Kirk Conover for most of the hour and in the final segment we will have James Schultz who we've gotten to know I'm trying to remember if it was Don Purdy that introduced me to James Schultz I don't quite remember it was a number of years ago how we met Uh, but he's the real deal he was the associate White House counsel for President Trump he um, was part of the legal team at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland and a part of the legal team for the Trump transition team. And he reported directly to White House counsel Don McGahn. So we're talking about the real deal. And he is a significant figure in the David McCormick campaign for the U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. And I will tell you the night that I was with Jim at Tony Coppola's Smithville Inn with Congressman Jim Jordan, Congressman Van Drew, and a, and a host of others. Uh, and You've got McCormick, who is the chairman of the McCormick campaign. He told me how bullish he was on McCormick. I have to say, and I've said it from the beginning, McCormick's resume, it's it's central casting. I mean, the military background, his success in business, all of it. Uh, so we're going to have a chat. Obviously, it's very consequential time uh, if they don't prevail on getting the mail-in ballots that were not dated put into the voting sampling. Uh, it's going to be very, very close. Again, I've said from the beginning, though, a tabular error of of a 1,000 votes or less, that can happen like nothing. And remember this. Whenever you count the votes a second time, it's never the same total that it was the first time. Don't ask me why. They put these things through machines and they're done different ways in different counties. No vote total is ever the same a second time. But I will say that whoever winds up being ahead when all the votes are counted, it's going to be under 0.5 of 1%. It will trigger an automatic required recall. And this much I also know. In the five times previously, whoever led going into the recount, one coming out of it, but none of them have ever been 992 votes. Let me get Kirk Conover's take uh, before James McCormick arrives later in the hour. 
What do you think about what's going on in this race, Kirk? Well, I, I, I was surprised it was so close. I mean, I looked at the numbers last night, and uh, Oz is up uh, 1,000 votes. 992, to be exact. Votes. 992. 992. And you're right about the recounts. I mean, uh, the numbers always tend to be different. Now, the only number that I remember that just never changed, no matter how they recounted it, was George W. Bush's win in Florida. That was either by 534 or 539. But no, no matter who did the counting, no matter who did the recounts, that number kept coming up. But, yeah, I I, uh, I like David McCormick's resume. I like what I've heard him speak. Um, he seems to be the real deal. And I agree with you. I don't, I don't like, you know, trying to win the election through the courts. Uh, it, it, I, I, I'm going to see what James has to say about it. I mean, you do you do what you have to do when you want to win. But it's it's kind of a Democrat strategy. Doesn't it feel like that? It almost feels like like a like a Liz Cheney Republican turned Democrat type deal. Uh, something about it I don't like. I agree. And let the recount go forward as required by law and, and see what happens. And then after that, you know, take your take your case to court. But doing it, it Kirk, Kirk, if anything, doesn't it speak to the whole issue of this whole mail in ballot thing? I know it's here to stay and Democrats love it. Uh, but if we start playing Democrat like uh, I think the long term problems are worse than trying to, you know, win one primary election i would just be very mindful of the potential long-term effect yeah the mail-in ballots paper ballots of any kind uh invite mischief um we saw it down in atlanta uh 2020 and they rolled out the the box supposedly mailed in ballots and none of them were folded i mean my gosh come on you know so it's it's definitely fraught with uh, peril when you have so many mail-in ballots. And I'm a firm believer, and I believe you are too, election day should be election day. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> you know, go back to where, you know, absentee ballots were, were given out because you had a reason for them to be given out. And that's fine. Military ballots, that's fine. But this massive just mail-in voting just because you don't want to leave the house come on you know have some have some skin in the game get up off the couch and go to the polling place well kirk let's move on to another topic because we're going to cover a lot of ground in an abbreviated episode of conover uh biden in asia unambiguously answering the question about going to war with china if they attack taiwan and then of course the usual correction of the president a short while later, what a dangerous situation. Yeah, he's uh, put his foot in his mouth uh, on a very serious issue. And, you know, the whole idea of this strategic ambiguity is uh, the only one that ever said that they would defend Taiwan militarily was President Reagan. After that, they went to the strategic ambiguity basically to keep China guessing. But over that period of time, the last 30 years uh, that this policy's been in place, uh, China's gotten much stronger militarily. And uh, I don't think we've done enough to make 
Taiwan, uh, an, an impenetrable fortress. We should be pumping all kinds of weapons, ammunition, training into Taiwan so that the, the Chinese have to think twice before they expose their military to the kind of, uh, you know, slaughter that uh, the Russians are experiencing in Ukraine. But everything the Biden administration does is behind the curve, it's behind the trend, it's too slow to react, and we, we, we need to be preparing Taiwan uh, to have a big military stature so that China does not invade. That's, that's the only solution. But all, I just saw a congressman on uh, Fox Business Channel say he's voted for military aid to Taiwan for the last three years. And, and none of it's been delivered. None of it's been spent. None of it's been delivered. Oh my gosh! So, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's a bad situation, particularly when you have a president that's not in his right mind. <laughs> Anything can come out of his mouth, and then everybody's got to scramble. And this is not leadership. You and I know it. Uh, you know we're you know Don Hurley uh, is fond of calling him the hologram president <laughs> holograms are more sophisticated than biden and by the way they're never wrong because they're 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 inanimate and they're programmed this guy is the hologram with that is just a human gaff machine kirk is 15 minutes past the hour we're going to be right back don't go away much more with kirk and at uh, 45 minutes past the hour we'll be joined by james schultz former trump attorney uh general campaign chairman for David McCormick, uh, and obviously they are in. I've said from the beginning that I'd rather be in Oz's position slightly ahead, but you just, with votes still to be counted, you you cannot, it's so tight that it could easily go either way. We'll be back. Much more straight ahead. Stay with us early in the morning. WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station. Waking up on the right side. This is the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. I mean, this this is not complicated. This is not, you don't need a MIT degree, a Harvard economics degree to figure all of this out. Harvard Business School degree. You know, we, we now know what's happening. We see the incompetence every day. All of this is tied to the stupid New Green Deal radical socialist and climate alarmist religious cult agenda, period. Because if you want to drop inflation and you want to drop the cost of gasoline, the president could easily do it by returning to the policies that worked. And those were the policies under Donald J. Trump, who brought us to energy independence for the first time in, what, nearly 75 years. From coast to coast, from sea to shining sea, it's the Sean Hannity Show. Now, whether you're moving into a new home or you just want to give your home a whole new feel, you can start with custom window treatments from Blinds.com. Now, Blinds.com, they have the selection and the expertise to help you customize your perfect window treatments. Plus, there's no showroom, no retail markups. Blinds.com, they can connect you with design consultants and local pros for installation. So shop Blinds.com right now. Save up to 40% off site-wide. That's Blinds.com, up to 40% off site-wide. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station. All because of you, and we thank you for 22 minutes past the hour. Kirk Conover until 740-ish. Then we'll break, and we'll be coming back at 745 with James Schultz, who is the general campaign chairman for David McCormick for the United States Senate uh, on the Republican primary side. Uh, which obviously that election has come and gone, but the results of it still uh, very much in doubt. We'll get an update from the McCormick campaign. Uh, they've been very optimistic because of their success over Mehmet Oz in terms of mail-in ballots. And now that looks like that's not going to be enough to change the result. And so they're looking at a multi-pronged strategy of actually litigating to have all the mail-in ballots. I don't know how many there are. Maybe uh, James does. That I think it's going to be a very timely interview, very newsworthy interview. Perhaps they know how many of these ballots there are that were not dated. People make mistakes with ballots. Sometimes the, the mistakes are fatal. Sometimes either clerks, county clerks, boards of election, uh, courts, uh reactivate the ballots, if you will, count them. It has happened as recently as 2021 in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. The Third Circuit Court of Appeals did make a ruling, I believe. James will know it for sure. We'll bring it up uh, where they counted. They ordered the counting of mail-in ballots that did not have the signature. So this is going to be very interesting to see how this goes. Kirk, on another important economic matter, President Biden, and I I think it's all part of his uh, incoherent state that he's in. Part of it, though, seems like just their general operating philosophy, though, to, to, to be honest about it. And that is he was basically celebrating the high gas prices because he believes that we're in a transition phase this is this is why elections have consequences that we're in a transition phase of going away from fossil fuels. So he was celebrating these high prices. Kirk, what do you think of that? I was shocked by it simply because they admitted they're, they're worshiping at the altar of the, the climate cult. And you and I both know that starting with Al Gore and all over the last, uh, you know, 30 years, the climate cultists have tried to raise the price of fossil fuels. They wanted a carbon tax. You know, that was fashionable for a while. And now they've got uh, high gas, diesel, and, and natural gas prices. And they're celebrating it because it discourages people from, from driving and makes people think about buying electric vehicles. And what they don't acknowledge is that the quickest way to solve the general inflation crisis is to increase the supply of gas, uh, oil, 
natural gas, you know, get back to energy independence because the energy sector is the biggest sector of our economy. And once you get the price of uh, fossil fuels down, it'll ripple through the economy and reduce the price of everything. And well, I mean, if you use the Chuck Malamut formula of a uh, billion dollars basically per penny, I mean, my goodness, look how many hundreds of billions of dollars are out of the economy right now in discretionary spending. Right. And that is basically when, when he's saying that uh, we're in this transition and it'll be painful and these prices are the way they are because we're in transition to another form of economy. He's basically saying, I'm going to make you poor uh, for my green agenda, which, you know, their goals are set for 2035 and 2050. And the fact is, the middle class, the working class, the people that produce things in this country are being hit by this hard right now. Yeah. And, and you know what I'm sick of hearing, Kirk? I, I mean, they're playing this kabuki, whatever, voodoo kabuki, uh, where they talk about, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to have to make it painful in order to fix it. So they got we got to get screwed more in order to fix it, you know, because they use these phrases like, uh, the, the the way out of higher prices is with higher prices. I mean, this is the kind of gobbledygook they're throwing at us. Yeah. Well, you know that that phrase you just used. I heard a you know, a lefty economist say that, and you know, there's a little bit of logic to it in the sense that the when you have these higher prices, people will stop spending, and that lowers the demand. But why Why do you want to do this intentionally? Everything that the Biden administration did from day one was just retribution against Donald Trump's policies. It's economics by retribution. Canceling the Keystone XL pipeline, shutting down uh, leasing programs for oil and gas exploration. Yeah, shutting down the completion of the wall at the southern border. You could go on and on. Kirk, let me ask you the question right before the bottom of the hour break, and then you and I will have one more segment coming up out of the bottom of the hour break. So we have a minute for this response. I've been asking this of listeners and guests for quite a while now. Can you name one thing that is better in America a year and a half, not quite, but nearly a year and a half into Joe Biden, one year, four months, whatever, plus. Can you name one thing that is better since Joe Biden has been president? No, I cannot name. I, I heard you ask the question yesterday. I mean, I, I've <laughs> I tried. I'm I can't real. come up with anything. You can come no. up with what's worse. I can't come up with anything that's better. Not even things that are non-economic. Civility is not better. We're more divisive. You know, the, the president is more divisive. He said he was going to be the opposite. He's been wrong and has done us wrong in every measurable way, both tangible, intangible, economic, non-economic. I have strained to try to figure out one thing that's better. I can't. I can't come up with it. I can't either, and it's a shame because some of this may have long-lasting repercussions. Just, uh, you know, the 15, 16 months, he's basically destroyed a perfectly good economy. And, you know, how how many households uh, have been ruined by it? How many families have been broken up by the poor economic uh, 
uh, conditions, lack of baby formula. It's just on and on. And like I said, you know, it distorts everybody's decision making. This this rampant inflation, and uh, it's going to take a while to dig ourselves out. But we could start by unleashing the energy sector. Yes, and we're going to talk a little more energy when we come back. It's only been done one time, and I looked into this very, very in-depth. In 2012, the Obama administration, you remember Barack Obama in Brigantine with Denny and with the legislative team and with uh, Mayor Phil Gunther at the time and others uh, during Hurricane Sandy. It's the only time in American history that the strategic diesel fuel reserve has been tapped. Biden is in talks right now to tap it. I want to get your take on that when we come back. It's Hurley in the Morning with Kirk Conover on WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 South Jersey's number one talk station. By the way, Harry Hurley at AOL.com, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, unaffiliated. Uh, this is not a joke. Email me one thing that's better in America since Joe Biden has been president. He got 81 million votes. Got to be one of you out there. Got to be one that can think of something just fabulous that is so much better. I can't. I'm trying. And I can't think of it. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. At 31 minutes past the hour, it's early in the morning with three stories that you can follow right now on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. A near-death experience. Former Ventnor Mayor Michael Bagnell. What an extraordinary event. Check it out. Atlanta County Prosecutor has confirmed the fatal shooting of a woman in Pleasantville. We have that story. And Atlantic City's small mayor disrespectful upon Gene Robinson's passing. That and more on the app. Untucked. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. The sky has been spitting on us since last night, and we could see some additional lingering showers in place until about midday today. Then mostly cloudy skies and cooler temperatures overall, high only 63. Quiet and cool tonight, scattered clouds, low 54. Partly sunny and dry tomorrow, high 66. 67 with increasing clouds and a chance of a shower on Thursday. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 South Jersey's Talk Station. Hi, it's Markley and Van Camp. Join us later today at 1. Now back to Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM South Jersey's Talk Station. Thank you. Welcome back. Just over two minutes, two and a half minutes with Kirk Conover. And then we're going to go to James Schultz right after the final break. The chairman of uh, the uh, David McCormick for United States Senate campaign. So a lot to talk about there as well. You couldn't get... I mean, a closer 50-50 election if you tried. Obviously, the Barnett was a was a big spoiler in there, getting 24% of the vote with the two other candidates at the top at like 31.2 and 31.1 and a half. I mean, it's, it's um, or 08. It's like 08 of one-tenth. It's crazy. Uh, Kirk, rating the strategic diesel fuel reserve that doesn't seem like a strategy to me. No, it's like taking money out of your savings account and saying you've got more income. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it should only be used 
in the event of uh, some sort of natural disaster, such as a, a hurricane, uh, you know, hitting the refinery areas of Texas and Louisiana, or if OPEC decided to, you know, cut us off like they did twice in the 70s. So, yeah, it was uh, the whole idea of these reserves was for uh, emergencies where we we couldn't control what happened. This is an self-imposed. They, um, you know, cut off the leasing. They cut off the pipelines. They uh, reimposed all the regulations that the Trump administration took off the oil and gas industry, which allowed them to, you know, just boom and make us energy independent. And those regulations control like it's great to have an oil well and strike oil, but you got to get it from that oil well into a pipeline somewhere so it can get to the refineries. And under Donald Trump administration, the regulations were relaxed. Refineries were actually expanding. And now some are being shut down for environmental reasons. I mean, it's insane. Self-imposed uh, crisis. We need to increase the supply of energy, and that will knock out inflation. Kirk? And unfortunately, this administration just doesn't have it in their, in their bones to do it. Active, very, very busy time together, Kirk, and I look forward to next week already. Thank you so much. Thanks, Harry. You got it, my friend. And thanks for yielding the floor to James Schultz, which we will go Dateline, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, next on the Hurley in the Morning program. Don't go away. It's WPG Talk Radio. 95.5 South Jersey's number one talk station. The WPG Talk Radio app is your connection to South Jersey's talk station. Get free, unlimited local and statewide news from New Jersey's largest radio news team. Download all of our local shows as podcasts and more. Powered by Ambient Comfort. For installation to repairs and maintenance, give Ambient Comfort Heating and Cooling a call today at 856-213-6586. AmbientComfortNJ.com. Join. It's early in the morning, anytime, anywhere, on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thank you very much. Programming note tomorrow morning, we have the privilege of filling in nationwide. For our good friend Brian Kilmeade, who I will be interviewing one-on-one on Friday, June 10th at the biggest talk radio gathering on the planet. That is Talkers New York 2022 at Hofstra University. So this is going to be a very cool keynote portion of the program where it will be just Brian and I one-on-one. I will interview Brian Kilmeade in front of the entire uh, assembly at Talkers 2022. That's going to be uh, pretty amazing. And tomorrow we're filling in live, uh, live 9 a.m. to 12 noon here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It will be from 10 a.m. right after early in the morning until 1 p.m. So that's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. We have a lot of guests scheduled, including Governor Phil Murphy tomorrow uh, as we go nationwide for Brian and a lot of the um, major players in all of these um, races that are going to be taking place tonight. There's seven races that I'm watching in a combination of Georgia, Alabama, Texas, uh, and, and of course, what we're going to be talking about now until the top of the hour is with the campaign chairman for um, David McCormick, our good friend James Schultz, who is the former senior White House counsel for President Trump. 
He also served with distinction at the 2016 Republican National Convention in Cleveland and on the Trump transition team as well. Uh, And so you can't do any better than this. So, Mr. Chairman, as we assemble here this morning on the Hurley in the Morning program, your candidate is about 992 votes behind Mehmet Oz. Your take. So there's a lot of votes to be counted. Uh, Pennsylvania is unfortunately a very slow process. And today, uh, I expect the Department of State, because of their requirements, will have a, have a number that they're going to put out. But that is not a, a final number as to what the vote count is. What they will say today, they will give the number of the, the, the numbers as it stands today, as votes continue to come in from the county election boards. And they will continue to count, but what they will designate, what they will declare today is that there will be a mandatory recount because yes. it's one half of one percent difference. Looks like it's going to be under one tenth of one percent. It is that close. Absolutely. Is there? You give us context because I know what I read, but I'm talking to the best person in the country that I could be talking to right now. You as the chairman and as a great attorney. Are you guys doing the strategy of suing over mail-in ballots that did not have a signature? Are you trying to bring them into play? No, that is not. That is exactly what's not happening. See, this is why this is why I'm so happy we're speaking, because, as you know, that's all the major news reports are out there saying McCormick is suing over mail-in ballots and going to the uh, Third Circuit Court of Appeals decision in 2021 that allowed ballots that were not signed to count. Tell us what you can. So if when you when a ballot is filled out, there's a, a date line on it. And the date line, sometimes people will fill in their birthday. Sometimes they'll fill in the wrong year. Sometimes they'll fill in the wrong date. The important thing here is that when that comes into the county election board, Terry, you know what happens? It gets a timestamp. So you know that it's received timely. So what we have here is thousands of Republican voters that will be disenfranchised if their vote doesn't count. They took the time to get that absentee or mail-in ballot. They took the time to fill it in. Maybe they made a mistake on the date, but the bottom line is that's immaterial to it. And you know why it's immaterial to it? Because the county election boards time stamp them when they come in. So it's indisputable that these votes are timely. That's why we're going to court, Harry, because we want to protect Republican voters. Got it. Now, in terms of the race, uh, it, I mean, it could not be closer. It's like 992 votes. How many total votes? You don't know ones that straggle in because they're allowed to. For, how long after the election can a ballot be received? Well, we're still waiting on absent, overseas and military votes, Harry. And yeah. they'll be received. They'll be received at the deadline is today for those. So those are still coming in. But as far as votes that come in, they all have to be in by Election Day. And what happens is the absentee ballots can't start to be canvassed until after Election Day. So what so the counting becomes not 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 they can't be counted as they come in. They have to be counted after Election Day. So that prolongs this whole process, Harry, and makes it very long and arduous for the candidates that are waiting for the results. 
James Schultz is our guest on the Hurley in the Morning Newsmaker Hotline, the chairman of the David McCormick campaign for the United States Senate in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. How big a deal was Barnett and her 24.7% of the vote? She took about 331,000 votes um, in third place. And, and she, she moved up, as you know, a lot in the final probably days or final week or two of the campaign. Is it is it even discernible who she affected more? I, I don't know that it is discernible which she affected more. She probably affected both. After President Trump's endorsement of Mehmet Oz, and then once President Trump attacked Dave McCormick, you saw this shift, and more so after he attacked, attacked Dave McCormick. After he endorsed Mehmet Oz, there really wasn't that much of a bump for Oz. The bump came after the rally where he attacked McCormick. And that's where you saw her numbers start to rise, and, her, and she started to gain some momentum. Once she was out there, though, and people started taking a look, people then start at her record, people then started to back off of Kathy Barnett. That's why you saw her start to decline mm. in the in the in the waning days of the of that election cycle. And as she started to gain, President Trump actually came at Barnett very hard as well. How does how does this play in Peoria? Because I, I think about this amongst friends. There are a lot of Trumpers out there that support the candidates uh, that President Trump supports. But there are these rare examples where some people are supporting Kemp and not Purdue. Uh, people are supporting McCormick and not Oz. How does this play in sort of the Trump universe? Look, I, I think people are looking at candidates and deciding what whether the candidates are America first candidates for themselves. Remember, this movement, Kathy Barnett actually said this, this movement is about the, the people who supported Donald Trump. And, and those people will make decisions. They'll still continue to support Donald Trump, but they'll make decisions in their own states that they feel are in their state's best interest and America first and Pennsylvania first and New Jersey first policies. So I think that's what you're starting to see in some of these – that's a dynamic you're starting to see in some of these states – People recognize that guys like Dave McCormick truly are America first candidates and where the guy, the folks on the other side, there's a question mark. You're seeing some problems there. You know how much I study these things, but I can get incredible insight from you that that I could be wrong, because if I just look at numbers and I don't have the proper context or the insight, uh, I stand to be corrected. I've been commenting that it's just apparent to me that the McCormick campaign did a better job with the vote by mail. Democrats typically do a better job than Republicans. It appears to me that McCormick, as a Republican, did a better job than Oz. Oz was looking almost like the Florida strategy, win on Election Day by enough that you can overcome the early voting. Was this just the way it turned out or was this a decided strategy to get more mail-in ballots than your opponent? Look, you know, they're, they're, Dave ran an insurgent, insurgent campaign and an insurgent grassroots campaign in a pickup truck driving across Pennsylvania. It's not a surprise that he's going to get early voters to support him. And that was the strategy from day one, to drive across Pennsylvania in his pickup truck and run an insurgent campaign. And that's what happened as a result. 
folks decided early on they were going to be for him and send in that mail-in or absentee ballot. James, is is this so close that there's just no way to know whether Oz or McCormick? I, I mean, I I can't say every day I comment on this race and I say, look, I'd rather be a thousand up, you know, with 10,000 votes left than than be a thousand down. But it's so close that this could easily go either way. I know that sounds like Captain Obvious, but um, how do you feel at this late stage being down effectively about 992 votes with whatever universe of votes are still out there? How does the campaign feel? Uh, The campaign feels that once every vote is counted, every lawfully cast vote is counted, that ultimately Dave McCormick will be the will be the winner in this. And there there is likely to be there's there's a hundred percent chance that there's going to be a recount effort here. And that's going to be reviewed by the state. There are, you know, precinct by precinct. And the vote totals could change somewhat through that process. Let me comment on that, because we have talked over the past 31 years on this program so much about this kind of thing. No recount ever turns out. The votes will not be the same in the recount as they were in the first count. That's that's just uh, I, I mean, I think that's like math. That's like one plus one equals two. Also, a tabular error. When you're talking about less than a thousand votes, a small tabular error or series of tabular errors, you could have one precinct that transposed something incorrectly that doesn't come out until there is a recount. And, and for those listening, Pennsylvania law requires it. There will be a recount. This is absolutely going to be five-tenths, uh, a half a percent of the vote or less. It's going to be – I think it's going to be less than one-tenth of one percent. A tabular error could make this go one way or the other as sure as we're talking right now. Absolutely, Harry. That, that's that's exactly what could happen here. You don't you don't know what you don't know, and until, until that review happens, you know there's no telling when a race is this close. That's why the law is what it is: one half of one percent, and it's an automatic recount by statute. Yeah, and, that, and then the county election boards will go and do the under undertake their reviews and ultimately come to a decision. And Two. that's that's function of the law and that's the way it should be james we have two minutes left in our in our time together for today i'd love to visit with you again in the future you're a great friend and here's what i know i don't know who's going to win this it's too close to say i wouldn't be surprised if it's oz i wouldn't i equally wouldn't be surprised if it's mccormick it's that close you could flip a coin but with this much we do know it's not going to be anybody else except one of the two of them coming out of this a unified, this also sounds like Captain Obvious, but a unified Republican Party is going to be very, very important. Do you agree? I agree 100 percent that, that that no matter who wins this race, there has to be unity because the goal here is to take back the Senate and beat John Fetterman in Pennsylvania. I mean, losing this seat could be the difference between Democrats still being in control. It's got it's got we've got to come together. This is absolutely Senate balance rides on Pennsylvania. No question about it. Because that would be a loss. That That is a Republican seat. Losing that seat would be a Democrat pickup, which would be disastrous. Yeah, we you have to pick it up somewhere else in the country, and there aren't many places to pick it up. No. So this is critical. Yeah. 
James, uh, keep in touch. And uh, this is fascinating, isn't it? And did you imagine you knew it was going to be close, correct? Yes, we always knew it was going to be close. Because I've heard David say that many, many times. They knew it was going to be close. But oh, my gosh. I mean, this is as close to just 50-50 as you'll ever see. This is like Bush v. Gore uh, in 2000. Uh, let's, uh, Let's stay close, my friend. Will do. Thanks for having me on, Harry. Thank you. Good to visit with you. James Schultz, the campaign chairman. I also left out of his bio because it is impressive. James is the former general counsel to the governor of Pennsylvania. His pedigree is absolutely unbelievable, and he's even a better person. He's a fantastic, good man and a good friend. Thank you, James Schultz. We will be back. Chuck Malamut will talk finance in the House next on the Hurley in the Morning program. Don't go away. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. Welcome back. Chuck Malamut is here. He'll be talking all about your financial matters. Chuck Malamut presents this program every Tuesday morning in the 8 o'clock hour. Chuck Malamut is a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley. The information, views, and opinions expressed are those of Chuck Malamut. Do not necessarily reflect those of Morgan Stanley or its affiliates. They are current as of the date of this broadcast and are subject to change without notice. Neither the information provided nor any opinion expressed herein constitutes a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. This presentation is for informational purposes only. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, member SIPC, Chuck Malamut. Good morning. Good morning, Harry. Woo! How are you today? Good. Really good. (laughs) Hopefully the heat is over for a bit. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I've been enjoying uh, league MVP Aaron Judge. He's been <laughs> – what I love about him is he told the New York Yankees – this is financially related. He told them he wanted basically $36 million a year for a certain number of years. You have to uh, agree to it before the season starts or I'm not talking contract. At the end of the season, he's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, he is absolutely having a monstrous first part of the season – uh, Yankees should have signed him because they were, I don't know, I wouldn't let an Aaron Judge, this guy's a monster, I wouldn't let him get away for a couple million dollars a year. I think the Yankees were at like $34.5 million, something like that. I know it's sick, it's sick, crooked numbers, but um, they should have signed him. Should have, <clears throat> absolutely. Never, never let, I just believe this, you never let your franchise star player be in a position where you don't have him locked up. I think they're going to lose him potentially to the San Francisco Giants, and then that becomes a major problem for you, my friend. It does. And don't forget your Philadelphia Phillies, too. Ultimately. True. So. I don't think about that much. i got to be honest with you. Although I love Joe Girardi, uh, Yankees, I'm a Yankees boy since 
the moment I can remember, you know, being alive. Anyhow, Chuck, so, so time Harry, is yours. Uh, it seems like uh, every week we come in here. and it's, But at least yesterday was a good day coming into today. Uh, yesterday, Well, actually, <clears throat> yesterday was a good day. Friday, and we'll talk about this in a second, was uh, actually a really, really good day. But for the week, last week, uh, S&P, a- a- U.S. equities fell again. Uh, seven straight week down for the, um, for the S&P was down uh, 3%. The Dow Jones fell for the eighth consecutive week longest streak that we've had harry now since 1923 i saw that i saw that wow now what happened and we'll talk about this in just a second the s&p briefly on friday dipped into that 20 percent plus decline territory so that equals bear market and, and that is traditionally the definition of a bear market uh, but it didn't and, stay and, there. And, you know, multiple bearish themes uh, dominated the dialogue. Three sectors were up for the week. Energy, go figure, up 1.4%. Healthcare, defensive in nature, up nine-tenths of 1%. Utilities, another defensive play, up four-tenths of 1%. And the worst sectors, and this is something we'll want to talk about, consumer staples, mm. which no, which caught everyone by surprise, down 8.6%. Consumer discretionary, uh, down about 7, 7.4% for the week. So when you kind of put it all in perspective here for the year, S&P, Dow, NASDAQ, down anywhere from 13 to 27%. Uh, the international stocks performed actually a little bit better, down about 14%. And what still bothers a lot of us, Harry, is the fact that – in the first four months of this year, uh, treasuries and corporate bonds were trading just like stocks. And 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 there were a lot of analysts banging the table saying the 60-40, 60% equity, 40% fixed income uh, balanced portfolio is dead because everything was moving down together. That has changed course a little bit. Bonds are now pretty much the rating – uh, are, are now trading directly opposite of what's happening with equities. Equity prices move up, bond yields are moving up. Equity prices are moving down, bond prices are bond prices are moving up, push pushing yields down. So it's now back to what we'll call traditional trading. But you know, when you spoke about Friday, it was it was pretty remarkable on, on Friday. Uh, the, the, the mark that everyone was watching on the S and P was three thousand eight hundred thirty seven. So you might want to make a note of that that number. Uh, that represents a twenty percent decline from the uh, indexes indexes recent highs. Uh, finishing below that uh, puts the S and P in a bear market. We we did cross that. We did cross that line about one or two o'clock. We got down to about thirty-eight ten on the S and P. By but the way, it, by definition, does that? I mean, I know no sirens went off and balloons didn't come raining out of the, the ceiling or anything. But at that moment, by definition, were we in a bear market, or do you have to close? Well, you have to. You have to close. Okay. You have to close now. So, so I think what. Everyone is missing here and because they're talking about a bear market. Mm-hmm. They're talking about a recession. Mm-hmm. They're talking about high inflation. I mean, you can't blame uh, anybody. No, but, but traditionally, once you enter that bear market, sort of been a, at least 
historically sort of a pivot point in the past. The the S&P 500 has been higher one month later, 83% of the time, oh. Harry. And that goes back to 1950. So that's short-lived. And, and with an average gain just shy of 4%. And a year after entering a bear market, returns have been positive 75% of the time, averaging 17%. So the good news is we almost always... So maybe we should root for rebound. a bear market. Because you we're, know, gonna, we're there. Because I mean, that is usually almost always followed by robust growth. It, it traditionally has now. They, every recession every, is, every, is everyone the same. Is, everyone is saying, well, this time is different. Uh, it's not like it was. And obviously volatility is here front and center and, and, and it's here to stay for a bit. Let, let me make this the Mr. Wilson part of the segment. Uh, what is Mr. Wilson saying? Uh, again, very, very dour. I mean, he... Uh, I, I thought he was turning around a little bit. He, they're getting close. They actually moved down their, their targets, uh, bear case, bull case, uh, base case. So his his uh, bull case on the S&P is about, about 4,400, which is, again, probably the lowest on the street. And that would be an increase of about 13% from this level. His bull case is 3,900, so we're basically right in line there. And his bear case is 3,350, which would be a decrease or decline of about 14%. Doesn't Um, feel to me like we're going that direction, though, does it? Or does it? Well, incrementally, it could happen. I'm I'm not going to uh, say that, you know, Friday was the turning point uh because you're always i mean you know we had as you mentioned we had a good day yesterday not doesn't shape up to be such a great day this morning at least from the start but when you think about it for the last four weeks three of those four weeks on harry friday basically was a sellout and get out mm. and and almost at, at any price uh because because traders didn't want to be long for the weekend and and then, you know, late day Friday. Were they guaranteeing their losses? I guess they were. But yeah. late day Friday, you had this remarkable turnaround. I mean, the Dow Friday, and don't quote me on this, please. The, the Dow opened up Friday. They all opened up Friday. Dow was up maybe 2 250 Gave it back. Went down 500 600 something like that. And within the last hour, came raging back and we recovered all of those losses so that even though the markets didn't do anything harry that was a victory all into itself chuck strong opening we're going to come right back in a few minutes don't go away you're listening to chuck malamut in my humble estimation the best at what he does the official the exclusive financial advisor for the early in the morning program for the past 31 years unbelievable july 1st is our anniversary date it's right around the corner actually 609 383-2010 for all of your financial planning needs. 609-383-2010 with Chuck Malamut. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Sean Hannity this afternoon at 3. Now, early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Chuck Malamut continues all about your finances. Chuck. So, Harry, let's let's talk a little bit uh, 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 about yesterday. As you mentioned, uh, pretty broad-based rally from the right from the start. Uh, S and P, uh, Nasdaq, Russell two thousand, everything was up for the day. 
anywhere from one to two percent. So that takes us out of that what we'll call it that that bear market as far as the S&P is concerned. So what happened, and Harry, I, I know that we don't like to talk about any particular day, but I think what, what is happening here with the markets, maybe we're at a pivotal point. We do need to, we do need to chat about this. Um, you know, maybe we're starting to take some, some baby steps. I mean, we're sort of t- kind of tiptoeing away from that, uh, that, bear, that bear market territory. Um, and as I mentioned before the break, uh, the, the action on Friday and then continuing it on Monday uh, actually was pretty impressive. Now, what we're what we're seeing here um, is that it's it's you know today's not such a great day because of a couple of companies reporting that missed estimates. But one of the moves higher yesterday was was based on some comments that came out of the White House uh, that they're considering reducing the tariffs on China. That had been imposed uh, by the the uh, Trump administration, and they also announced a. Is that perceived uh, as a bad event? Or no, a good event? they perceive the market perceives it as, a, as actually okay. as a good event. There you uh, go. So, in, in addition, uh, they also announced a, a new economic agreement with uh, twelve Indo Pacific nations, which happened to represent about forty percent of global GDP. Uh, so it's at the end of the day, uh, and I'm sorry, there was one other item also that came. And I don't know if you noticed yesterday, Harry, but the, the one of the best performing sectors of the S&P happened to be financials, which were in the dumps for, for qu- uh, quite a period of time. Um, you know, J.P. Morgan, um, you know, lifted their 2022 net interest income guidance. And they said they expect to benefit from high single-digit loan growth and rising rates. Now, uh, that's what the market needed to hear, Harry. I mean, they, they needed to get some, some good. good news in here. Uh, you know, this year was supposed to be a, a boon for these bank stocks with the expectations that the Fed was, you know, were going, was going to go ahead and lift interest rates. Uh, the the sector held up very very well during the pandemic because there was a surge in deal making and trading but so far 2022 um you know it, it hasn't been the same i mean as as a result of that uh with these bank stocks like i said coming under a lot of pressure it ultimately yesterday was a really good sign now I, as i said just a second ago i don't like to talk about day to day but I, I think it is important uh because think about this harry all the earnings for the most part are, are pretty much uh out of the way and uh the market's going to focus on the fed and uh, i think the one thing that that all of us are faced with as far as you know either being uh in, investors or innocent bystanders or running a business is the volatility um, that's that's been out there, and I think you need to kind of put volatility into perspective, Harry. Um, you know, not surprisingly, you know, investors have become fearful of you know rising market volatility, inflation, rising interest rates, and economic slowdown. Or you know, and you know how you have the multiple choice questions A, B, C, D, uh, E, mm-hmm. or all or all of the above. So um, you're getting these knee jerk reactions. Uh, to sell and then try to get back in when the 
quote unquote the you know the coast is clear. Mm. And unfortunately, there's there's we don't ring a bell and, and saying the coast is all clear. Uh, it's never provided to investors, and there's no crystal ball that exists that that's going to accurately predict when the bottom of a market correction will occur. So, if you have proper asset allocation, is it a good idea to just stay in yeah. the game? So, we have talked about this ad nausea, Harry. You know, staying invested, incorporating diversification into your portfolios. Focusing on long term—that's not the next ten minutes—is mm. is is a more prudent path to follow. Uh, you know, trying to take time the market, Harry, is an exercise in futility. Remembering timing the market requires being correct not once but twice. Uh, when to get in, or when to get out, and when to get back in. Yeah. If the timing is off, as often is the case. Longer-term portfolio performance can be significantly impacted. And, Harry, I wanted to remind your listeners of that because, again, if you take a three, five, seven, ten-year perspective on investing your money and you look in and you ride through these, you know, these uncertain times and these good times, you will ultimately be rewarded for that exercise. Chuck, excellent narrative I don't like this next item on the agenda, but we're going to do it. Credit starts to show cracks in the armor. What do you mean by that? So what is happening now, Harry, uh, credit spreads across um, global investment grade and high yield markets have widened as investors' appetite for risk has has declined significantly um, because we've had the volatility in the equity markets. For the month of May, so far, bond sales have slowed dramatically. Uh, Several new issue deals have been pulled uh, due to unfavorable market conditions. So I I think the bond market has suffered as much as the stock market uh, because of, again, the the volatility that we're we're seeing out there. This next one is also um, not great news. Retailers are facing margin pressure. So, as you know, last week, you know, uh, two particular companies announced uh, Walmart and and Target, and um, and what it, what is happening now? You know, you, it was the technology stocks that were they were taking, you know, the brunt of of the the negative action in, in the markets. Uh, so right now, you know, retailers join that slump um, after several reporting disappointing margin results last week. Lower earning out, lower earnings outlooks as well. Higher inflation, supply chain pressures have started to impact profit margins as well in a meaningful way. Higher good prices uh, have started to drive customers away from spending on discretionary items uh, to the, now they're buying the staples, you know, which the things that they have to buy, and and you know, customers' preferences are now shifting. Uh, again, from goods to services, resulting in higher than anticipated retail inventories. Uh, however, you know overall consumers' uh, spending remains relatively strong amid a backdrop of low unemployment and uh, healthy consumer balance sheets. Are employers still having a hard time finding employees? They are, but it's not. I mean, it's 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 breaking. It's it's getting easier, Harry. Because the other thing that's happening yeah. is, you know, there are some companies that are, you know, are beginning, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and specifically in the mortgage mortgage world, you know, layoffs. 
Mm. So, you know, yeah. they're, they're, you know, I, I think that, you, you know, it's, it's, it's going to shift. I don't know when where, you know, now it's in the employees, you know, the campus in the employees favor. Uh, it eventually, you know, will shift to the employer side. I just don't, I just don't know when. Halftime break. We continue with Chuck right after this. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the United States housing market. We'll see how that's going. We'll talk tomorrow. Uh, no, no. Uh, Thursday in the nine o'clock hour with Joe Daly, uh, all about real estate as well. Uh, Chuck Malamut is our official financial advisor for the Hurley in the Morning program. For all of your financial planning needs, call 609-383-2010, 609-383-2010. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Chuck Malamut. I am Hurley in the Morning. This is WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 South Jersey's number one talk station. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And this is Harry Hurley at 30 minutes past the hour with three stories that you can follow right now on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. A near-death experience involving the former mayor of Ventnor City. It's an extraordinary story. Check it out on the app or on the website. Atlanta County Prosecutor has confirmed the fatal shooting in Pleasantville of a woman. Very, very sad and Atlantic City's small mayor disrespectful upon Gene Robinson's passing. That and more on the app. From the Townscore, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. Today could be our coolest day in over two weeks as we fall into an unsettled weather pattern thanks to the return of that easterly onshore breeze. Lingering showers this morning, then mostly cloudy skies holding on this afternoon. High temperature limited to 63 degrees. Quiet and cool tonight with scattered clouds, low of 54. And tomorrow, not bad. Partly sunny and dry, high of 66. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Listen for the morning edition of the O'Reilly Update with Bill O'Reilly at 1015 this morning. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. Welcome back. 37 minutes past the hour with the always high energy Chuck Malama talking all about your financial matters. Now, Chuck, we go into the realm of the U.S. housing market. How are we doing? So, Harry, um, right now what we're seeing, existing home sales uh, were actually down about 2.4% in the month of April uh, due to uh, the the rising mortgage rates that we have seen. And that's crimped a lot of buyer activity. The average 30-year mortgage rates have now climbed uh, over 5.2%. They were around 3% a year ago. Uh, home buyer uh, sentiment has soured uh, um, um, because you have these still high prices and, and low inventories. New home sales slipped ever so slightly, uh, but there is some support relative to the existing home sales. Um, and that might be attributed, Harry, to some um, some builder backlogs that might have exasperated the, you know, by the supply chain issues that happened earlier in the year and are continuing. Uh, Harry, almost 40% of existing home sales occur in the spring, according to the National Association of Realtors. So I think it's something that we really, I think we really have to be careful of here. That spring, that would be still now. That would be, yes, that would, would, exactly, that would be right now. 
U.S. growth, uh, but not just U.S. growth, but U.S. growth with respect to China. So believe it or not, I mean, I don't think we've ever talked about this. It's well, we've, we've talked about it, but I don't think it's ever happened. Now, it seems as if, you know, this year our growth is expected to be higher than China uh, for the first time since 1976. I saw that. You know, China is continuing to, to struggle, obviously, with COVID-related lockdowns. Um, and and this all the curbs that are out there on their activity, while you know within our country there's a there's a, the mobility is continuing to to normalize. Uh, China's growth target for the year is five point five percent, but you never know. Yeah, <laughs> you just know, say it. You know, or, yeah, never. You, they just throw a number out there, but um, they're really having a rough go of it. it their be, vaccines it, are terrible. And, I mean, they've shut down millions of people, right? They have. And, you know, Harry, the government has, has, uh, has injected about $5 trillion of stimulus into their economy, um, you know, and in an effort to get the economy going. But So they've lost their, uh, their pace to become the largest economy in the world, haven't they? Well, they have, Harry. When you have – I think we covered this last week. There are 300 – 300 million people that in these various cities throughout China, they were either either in a partial yeah. or yeah. a full lockdown. Yeah. More than the whole United States yeah. population. So it's really yeah. hard to produce. And that's obviously the the beginning, you know, not the beginning, but it's obviously a big part of the uh, supply chain issues. Yeah, I usually wish everyone well. I think I make an exception in their in their case because, they, you know, I think they brought the uh, – the, the, the China virus to the world. But, of course, the world really relies on China's manufacturing. Uh, I think there's going to have to be a whole, like, relook at where we get everything from. It looks like Russia and China are setting up an alliance, doesn't it, Chuck? It does, Harry, yes. And so we need to maybe set our alliance up with Vietnam, you know, Vietnam, I, I learned through John Zarek, who visited there uh, and shared some incredible feedback. They're producing, you know, a ton of product out of Vietnam. He Wasn't he just in Poland? He was in Poland. Okay. Yeah, he's something else. He wanted to he wanted to help. So he went to the basically almost right to the war. Um, so that's interesting, though. Positive elements for the stock market. Oh, my gosh. We need positive elements. Thank you, Chuck, <laughs> Harry, for this line item. Harry, Thank you. Yeah, Harry, uh, you know, look, for perhaps the uh, the most positive element for the stock market at this point in time is sentiment. Uh, record low bullishness, record high bearishness. And, and while that does not guarantee a bottom, it, it argues the fact for a significant bounce at some point in time. And as I like said, we're never going to call market bottom. I think it would be foolish for us to try to do that. But remember when we was talking about P-E ratios, the price, yes. you know, P-E, price divided by earnings ratio. Mm-hmm. So it, at the beginning of the year, the, the P-E ratio was about 21 and a half times. Uh, today, with the market selling off, it's now down to about 16 times uh, for the long-term average. You know, and and when you look at the declines, it's all done. It's all because of of this market compression uh, that's been caused by you know rising inflation and interest rates. So, you know, during the same time frame, you know, earnings expectations you know have been rising. Uh, but you know, we had we had decent first quarter earnings. But the question at hand is, 
you know, how is that going to, uh, you know, how is that going to be placed, you know, moving into Q2 and thereafter. So, um, and, you know, Harry, we kind of talked a little bit about, um, you know, Walmart and Target and Kohl's and, and you know, we we have a slowing economy. You know, you look at the consumer. The consumer is is not out there just spending money. They're very, very careful. Walmart seemed to be kind of shocked at what happened there. I think Target was even more shocked than Walmart, yeah. Harry. Okay. Wow. So when you look at stocks and bonds, they are they're both oversold, meaning a bounce you know could come at any point in time. If you remember, we had a ten percent bounce in March, uh, and and the Nasdaq actually was up, and that was over a three week period of time, and the Nasdaq you know increased sixteen percent during that time period as well. So I, I think that I think we have ridden through most of of the bad times, Harry, and I think it's a matter of being patient, and and we should be rewarded for that. Final break, one more power segment straight ahead with Chuck Malamut talking all about your financial matters. Uh, I guess we're going to be talking about the uh, the Fed when we come back, so that'll be interesting. They they um, they go from making every correct move for a period of years during the pandemic and all these things. And now uh, I think there are a lot of people that have questions about, you know, do they really know what they're doing here? It's going to be an interesting conversation with Chuck when we come back. It's 44 minutes past the hour with Chuck Malamut. This is Early in the Morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. From the world's playground, this is Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. Welcome back. Chuck Malama continues all about your finances. Um, the Fed, they, they have a very, very tough job. They're trying to fix runaway inflation, and their solution is actually to create pain. Yeah, so, Harry, the old expression that you know the fed is you know between a rock and a hard place right yeah. now they 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 have the 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 task of attempting to curb inflation i mean i know we it did come down a couple ticks last month uh and they have to be able to do this without causing a recession and um who was the country that was negative interest rates for all these years but realized that they cannot continue like that and they've raised well, it was Germany, I believe. That's correct. I mean, in a lot of the, yeah. a lot of the, um, yes, a lot of the European countries, you know, you know, as well. But I think Germany led. But so, so you know, are they going to create this this soft landing? I mean, that's kind of a, the question now, Harry. Everywhere you go, it seems as if everyone is is talking about a recession. Uh, you can't because well, lay pe- for us lay people, Chuck, it feels that way. Everything is so expensive. There's all these problems. It just feels like that's going to be the case, but it doesn't have to be, does it? So the question is, can can we can we avoid a recession? And, and it's, I mean, you're going to get a recession at some point in time. I don't think anyone expected the recession that we that we had in March of 2020, and that was because of obviously you know the lockdowns with covid but but we came think, right out of that but but think about this here for just for a second uh 2022 we're already halfway in, into the year and i think you said it <clears throat> ever so well either 
last week or the week before that we had negative growth for uh, the, the most recent quarter that was reported. It doesn't look like it's going to happen for Q2, but so the, the health. But they didn't think it was going to happen in the first quarter either. Ex- exactly. So. so, you know, the health of the U.S. consumer, lots of cash on the balance sheet. So that's that's, that's a, healthy. That's a positive. Uh, corporate America, again, healthy balance sheets, cash, cash flow, uh, and a strong balance sheet. Are people holding cash though right now? They are. Yeah, they are. And 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 last but not least, least the strength of our labor market. You know, we have never entered into a recession with a labor market this strong. So it's something I think you need to kind of think about. Um, I, I, and, and no matter where you go, it doesn't matter. Harry, it's everywhere. It's that we're going to recession. We're going to recession. Well, we're, yes, we're going to Harry. Look, I think people I, just are assuming it with no facts to base it up, just how they feel. And we're going to, we will have at some point in time, we will have a recession. Mm-hmm. There's uh, now the question is, are you calling for a recession in the next three years? Are you calling a recession in the next six months? I mean, it's a matter of how you're measuring it. And again, I don't want a recession, but except for one, and it was when Obama was president, every recession in the history of the republic has been followed by robust growth. That's absolutely correct. And Harry, you know, think about this for a second. Let's talk about just rate hikes because mm-hmm. we've seen the Fed, uh, you know, has, you know, they are, they are, they're on steroids they are, right they now. They are determined to, oh, yeah. to make this happen. Yeah. So, you go back, go back to the period 2015 to 2018. The Fed raised rates nine times. Who was who was the Fed chair? I believe it was Bernanke. Bernanke. Yeah. Correct. So, and you do know he came. He has a book now. Yes. Okay. And he was on exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't agree with what's happening, but he has a book. I'll tell you who's been calling a lot of this correctly, and I didn't <laughs> think that much of him when he was in office with President Clinton. Larry Summers has been, I think really thoughtful out there but let's you know let's let's put this into perspective for a second yeah. so so 2015 to 18 nine hikes each hike 25 basis points so we had a we had a total of 2.25 percentage points that moved all right yep that that uh that that took the fed's short-term target rate at the time from zero to two and a quarter if you go back and you look historically at the stock market over that same time period, Harry, the S&P had a total return gain of 28% over the three years or a little bit less than 9, 9% per year. Hmm. So I, it doesn't always – I mean, you know, we're always accentuating the bad. They're bad, the bad. And, and, and so you talk about sentiment. And what's happening, you know, we, we kind of chatted about this just a few minutes ago. Um, just six months ago, Harry, uh, 27% of investors that were surveyed were, were bearish on the prospects of the stock market f- for the six-month period moving forward. And that was back in November. So just recently, two weeks ago, 50% of investors were now bearish. I knew you were going to say uh, that. For the upcoming six months. And... You, you know, you think about that again. Is that signaling the fact that you know when everybody's trying to get to the same side of the boat together, typically you know the opposite happens. Now, are we to how the world has changed, or did you want to talk more about stocks? Well, I, I like to talk about U.S. worker productivity. Okay, we'll go to there. So, uh, so please. 
you know, you would think that productivity would be higher. On the rise. But unfortunately, right now, the productivity of the U.S. worker actually was down about 7.5% in the first quarter of 2022. Can I ask why? Sure. Largest decline since the third quarter of 1947. Jeez. And this was a result, Harry, of being blamed on supply chain problems and the rising cost of labor. There you have it. So declining productivity, I think every that kind of caught everyone by surprise. But when you think about if you can't if you can't get the parts to do the work to produce the goods, then of course it's going to impact. You I'm trying to think you were probably in the office uh with NPR on the TV screen and not listening to the Hurley in the Morning program. So you didn't hear this, but a very great friend of mine that I've known since I was 18 years old, his vehicle has been on the sideline since March because there's a transmission part that's hopelessly unavailable. And it appears that as of early June, the manufacturer is going to offer them some kind of special circumstance settlement because they're going to throw the towel in that they can't fix the car. That's where our country is right now, Chuck. We we can't it's it's broken. I mean, yeah, Harry, we're ever uh, heard of not being able to get a part. You can't get it. It's unfortunately it's everywhere. It's, and 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 you know, we really didn't talk problem. about this the price look, we know the price of the pump. Ooh. Uh the price of diesel. You know, diesel is is more important than than, than ga- unleaded gas. People need to know that because of delivering uh, every goods and wares in the country. That's what the truckers are buying. Exactly. Yeah. So not only that, but producing goods, oftentimes they're produced using diesel. Let me ask you in the final minute and a half, talk about airfares because I know you want to say airfares are sky high. But if you are discriminating, there's still deals out there. I just bought one. Well, you have to be careful. Yeah. I mean, and you have to, and you have to, and you have to shop early. Uh, yes, because if you don't, I mean, as you get closer oh, to punished to that date of your of your intended departure, the, the prices go through the roof. But Harry, believe it or not, uh, airfares have now increased by almost nineteen percent. Wow! Over then, and that's at the end of April. That's on a month over month basis, and we're up over thirty three percent from a year over year basis. Um, and Harry, the former is the largest one month airfare inflation advance in our history and the latter is the highest annual airfare inflation increase reported since 1980 chuck heartbreak in 25 seconds i didn't know the supreme court and sports betting were in a collision course i didn't know no 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 no, harry harry not not necessarily so i mean what the supreme court in 2018 uh they they approved uh commercial sports betting yes and and since then americans have bet 125 this was not a negative 125 billion in the 32 states that have established sports betting i'm harry incredible 609-383-2010 chuck malamut great job enjoy the rest of your week have a great holiday you too buddy the doctor is making a house call next wpgg atlantic city wenjhd3 millville a town square media station everything you need to know in six minutes starts now dr bob from harry hurley way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. 
Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We are back. Thank you for waking up early in the morning. Thank you for joining South Jersey's number one news talk station, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. That's all because of you, and we thank you for it. And we are joined by my good friend, Dr. Bob Zlotnick, the president and the chief executive officer of Atlantic Prevention Resources. And I, I appreciate Dr. Bob for moving from the second Tuesday when we were in Florida to today, uh, the fourth Tuesday of the month. How fast is this year going by, Dr. Bob? It's Faster crazy. than any other year. Yeah, each one is going quicker. I know you have a lot of great guests and a lot of important content. Time is yours. Thank you, Harry. <clears throat> Good morning. <clears throat> Pardon me. It's okay. Um, first, let me just say... You and I have been doing this for, I think, 16 years. Yes. I've been working, <clears throat> pardon me, in my position for going on 27 years this year. And I've worked on a lot of interesting campaigns. And, for example, uh, a year after I started, we were invited to the Shore Mall for a children's health fair. I remember. And uh, we showed up. Steph and I took shifts, you know, and had a table with pamphlets and, and you know, giveaways for the kids. And I was appalled to see people strolling by our table at the health fair smoking cigarettes with their kids in tow. And you're going back to near the beginning. Right? 96. You're going back to when your office was in the Atlantic County office yes, building? Yes. Okay, I'm with you. And so I took it upon myself because I, I had moved here from the Philly area, which was – Largely smoke-free in 96. <clears throat> the King of Prussia Mall, for example, was yeah. smoke-free, I believe, then. And, and many restaurants were. Even though Pennsylvania itself wasn't smoke-free, a lot of places had either ordinances or just the general awareness, and they just eliminated smoking. So when I moved to New Jersey in 95, I was shocked that so many restaurants allowed smoking still. And I was um, shocked that the indoor mall allowed smoking, especially at a children's health fair. So... I I, uh, I wrote letters to the mall management, and at the next time they invited us to do a health fair there, which was actually good for business there because it brought people to the mall. Besides the agencies that were, you know, promoting their <clears throat> their material and their their education, it 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 was a good community event. <clears throat> Pardon me. It's okay. And um, so. They invited us to do a senior health fair, yeah. and I, I said no, and I publicly uh, stated that in a letter to the editor of the press. And so I essentially initiated a one-agency boycott of their senior health fair, and within months, the mall was smoke-free. This, this was because you're in an environment where you're promoting wellness and health. Health. Health And you've fair. got smoking happening. People all over yeah. the place. And, yeah. and, and when I moved here, I don't know about now, probably – Principled stand. <laughs> And and uh, we also helped the Ocean Wall, Ocean One Mall, uh, which is now the Pier at Caesars, yes. go smoke free. It was the last indoor mall in the state to go smoke free. Um, the point I'm bringing up is is that that's my passion. Is is I'm not just I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to hurt anyone. I w I don't want people to be hurt as a result of, and not just because it's the mission of APR. Yeah. To, to prevent the harm caused by substances, alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs. But it, it's just the right thing to do, in my opinion. I don't, I'm not for more government and more regulation, believe me. Um, you, you know, the role of government is, is very different than it used to be. 
300 years ago. Governments weren't put in place to to control our lives. They really were put in place just just to assume, to create order and safety and lighthouses, Harry. You know where lighthouses came from? Shipwrecks. Yeah. There were shipwrecks on yeah. rocky points and so could you imagine a private lighthouse system that was funded by ship owners? If you went to a ship's captain and said, pay us $100 a year and we'll put a lighthouse all up and down the coast and you won't have any accidents. The ship captain would say, no, I don't need that. I'm a really good captain. I can see through fog and I can see better at night than anybody else. So I don't need it. They won't pay it. So the government had to install lighthouses. And and it's a good investment. We don't need them anymore because of GPS. That's a different story. So that's what governments do. Sidebar, I do love that a few still exist because they're kind of neat. Yeah. But go ahead. I love the old lighthouse. Yeah, me too. So – I'm going to wrap this up in a second. This is my yeah. opening yeah. monologue. But but what I'm trying to get at is we – the government also has a very important public health um, mission. Yeah. And, and if they don't do it, who will? So when the state of New Jersey in 19 uh, – in, sorry, 2005 passed the Smoke-Free Air Act and it was implemented in 2006 – it said the, – the first paragraph said, whereas smoking kills people mm-hmm. – um, and I'm just paraphrasing – and secondhand smoke we know kills people, then we're going to make all these places in the state smoke-free except for these places, most notably the casinos in Atlantic City. It wasn't fair. It wasn't just. It was, it was politicians, the legislature, caving into a special interest – which I admit is a very powerful special interest and ha- does you know, a great thing for our regional economy, the economy of the state. The point is, is that w- the people in the public health field who were involved in that back then, and I was one of those people, were informed that this was not – that they would come back to it. Yeah. And they never came back to it. Well, and for reasons uh, that we know, uh, the Senate president for many, many years was – ardently against it. He would not allow it to be posted. So it wasn't going to happen as long as he was still in. You might remember, and this is sort of what I do, my space. This is a good sort of collaboration between what you do and what I do. I started to sense that there was a slowdown going on. Remember I brought that up to you? Mm -hmm. And you didn't agree at the time. I didn't. Uh, Do you agree with me now? I think I do. Okay. (laughs) Comment. Well, I want to bring on the the people who are on phone. After the break, just make a quick comment. The comment is, is that it's closer now than I've ever seen it. And also, on the other side, their arguments are a little quieter. True. Which that's... that's and, and, and what they're saying is it sounds like they they understand that it's inevitably going to happen now. Even though they knew it would eventually, but they always put up these walls, and now the walls are coming down. So you think maybe this is the last gas? I, I think so. And it's like maybe get through the summer or something? Well, and, I'll, tell you, and, I'll tell you what I told the people who were on the phone yesterday. I told them I pledge not to take a vacation until this happens. Wow. Now, I can't promise I will uphold that pledge, but and I'm also not including like, you know, you know, family gatherings and also um going to uh for a conference out of town, but things like, you know, if I have yeah. my son graduates in August from I'm not I'm going to go to that, but yeah. I, I I pledge not to take a vacation, go away on vacation to some remote place until this happens. You are committed. 
I, I should be committed. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it, I mean it in a good sense. We'll take a brief time out. We're going to be right back, and Dr. Bob will introduce his distinguished panel. It's 15 minutes past the hour, and Atlantic Prevention Resources presents an important discussion today with Dr. Bob Zlotnick, the president and the chief executive officer. I am respectfully yours early in the morning. This is WPG Talk Radio 95.5, all because of you, South Jersey's number one talk station. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. And so what, the boosters then never end? That's the idea. Then call it the COVID shot. Just people are so done with it. I'm done with it. I've had three shots. I don't want another one. Did you talk to your doctor about it, Scott I haven't Robbins? yet. You're a person that's, quote, at risk. Well, yes. But you're not concerned about it. I've personally. had three shots and I've had COVID. What more do you want from me? <laughs> Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. Weekday afternoons at 1 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Join me this afternoon at 3. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you, Sean. 20 minutes past the hour with Dr. Bob Zlotnick. It's Atlantic Prevention Resources in the house. Dr. Bob, time is yours. Thank you, Harry. It is my honor to introduce, uh, I think we have three uh, casino employees, Pete, Lamont, and Nicole, who are, I believe, all... Uh, casino dealers or game, you know, they run a game, and I believe they're all at the Borgata. And so I just want to welcome the three of them. I'm going to start with Nicole, ladies first, and uh, good morning to the three of you, and, and thanks for being here. And so, Nicole, can you give us a little bit of a perspective of, like, say, the last year or so and how you got into this? I mean, did you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to start a movement? Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, thank you, Harry, for having us on, and Dr. Bob. Pleasure, Nicole. Um, so, thank you. Um, so, I, this, first of all, the smoke has always bothered me. Um, God, I dealt through two pregnancies with the smoke. Uh, I used to cry on the game if I knew I had to go on a smoking game, and somebody would switch with me. Hopefully, somebody would switch with me, and, uh, and hopefully the pit boss would allow that to happen. They made a big deal about that sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, a pregnant woman who wanted a smoke-free table and uh, a, a, a willing co-worker that would, you know, willingly switch with me, and they were giving them a hard time at the time. So, now, by the way, absurd. there's something to be anyway, said. For, there's something. There's something messed up to be said for that. Yeah, I didn't want to say it, but I'm glad you did. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I actually, I've had a harder time with the women uh, pit bosses, the ones that you think would understand. That's unbelievable. But, um, you know, anyway, that's gone now. My children are, are, are 15 years old. So, um, anyway, it's always bothered me. I, uh, I always looked into, you know, looking up OSHA laws, looking up um, EPA, everything that would try someone to help me. And finally, I came across um, Smoke Free AC on the uh, Instagram, and I reached out to them. And there I met Ashley, and um, she contacted me with Dr. Bob, and they had the rally. And from, you know, from there began the whole cease movement with connection with all my coworkers and our willingness to, after this major global health pandemic, to actually address the elephant in our room was always the secondhand smoke that we had to breathe in. And because so, um, just just you know, for I, you know, I was, I, yes, just for people to understand that. Yeah. 
for years, for decades, casino workers were very hesitant to speak out because they were afraid for their jobs and their livelihood. And so last April 15th, when we had that rally on the boardwalk and you and Lamont, I don't know if Pete was there, but but came out and stood on that stage at uh, Boardwalk Hall and um, and 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 talked about it and then went to the media and did interviews and talked about this and then you developed this this like cult following i i think it's like a cult following you're you are you you three are started spearheaded this campaign that has really turned into something else yes we you know we ignited uh, i think a match that everybody wanted everybody felt the same way we always talked about it in the break room, like, oh, I'm on the smoking game that's killing me, all this stuff. But we never, we never reached out like that and organized as much as we are now, definitely. And, and this is something that we, we were begging for years for casino workers to come out in droves. And, and you did it. The three of you did that. So, Lamont. Hey, Dr. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, yeah. Pete. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, by the way, thanks for having us on, Harry. We appreciate it. Of course, Pete. Um, doc, Dr. Bob, um, yeah, just a kind of little context on that. Um, when the when the pandemic hit, they stopped smoking. Uh, we were off for three months. When we came back, there was no smoking in the casinos for close to a year. Um, and when the smoking came back and they handed out ashtrays at 12 o'clock and 1 second a.m., uh, started passing them around when smoking was was allowed again, I really lit a fire under all the workers. And um, I think that was the catalyst to band everyone together. It, it was, uh, everybody was happy when there was no smoking during that, that period. The patrons were happy. The smokers were, were understanding, had no issue with walking outside to catch a smoke and come right back in. The non-smoking patrons, which is 86% of people, um, were very happy that the workers were very happy and then when that came back and they and like i said they handed out ashtrays at 1201 12 12 o'clock and one second were basically saying light up um it, it, it did light up it lit a fire under all mm. workers and, and i think that was the catalyst to what's going on now pete can you talk about what it's like to have somebody blow smoke in your face on purpose knowingly <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's torture. It really is. It's it's absurd to, that it's allowed. Um, you know, when we're, when we're when we're working dealing dealing on a game, there there you know um, players. The nature of the beast is a, a, most people are not going to be happy. I mean, you, you go to the casino, you, most people are going to lose a couple bucks. You know what I mean? So well, the house always wins. Aren't happy? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Most of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the business but, uh, model. You know. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, the a lot of the the people who when they get upset, they they really don't care um, about anything else. A lot of times, they think the dealers are the ones making them lose, which is again uh, false. But um, so so they'll they'll light up and blow a puff of smoke right in your face, and and the reasoning behind it is, well, I just lost five hundred dollars. I you know I could do what I want, and we hear that all the time. Uh, you can going to tell me I lost five hundred bucks or mm-hmm. I lost a hundred dollars, and you're, and, and you're, you know, and, and to, um, to it's, me, it's, it's absurd. To me, that's assault. 
I, I really feel like even though they're allowed to smoke in there, yeah. to knowingly and on purpose deliberately blow a mouthful or a lungful of smoke into somebody's face is just absurd. I, 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 I mean, well, Dr. Bobby, I agree. I agree. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, I just, I just want to say you got to understand that there's, there's, you know, like I said, they're, they're a little upset and it's mixed with alcohol. And right. so when that, those, two, when those two things kind of come together, you, you kind of, I mean, not, not everybody or it, it depends on the situation, but people lose their, their uh, respect for others or, or it's, you know, it becomes a little bit different situation. So, you know, we're dealing with that aspect of it as well. I'm going to uh, introduce Lamont briefly. Lamont is a gentleman that I've known for a few years before this, but um, we weren't friends or anything. We, you know, we weren't, we were acquaintances. And when I saw him at the event that we had April 15th of last year on the boardwalk to recognize the 15th anniversary of the Smoke Free Air Act, um, I was, I, you know, I went and talked to him and we have become, you know, a little closer since then. And Lamont is also a dealer at the Borgata. So, uh, good morning, Lamont, and thanks for being here. Good morning. Thanks. Thanks again, Harry, and thanks, Doctor Bob. I like to think we're a lot closer now. <laughs> we are. Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to be like the guy who went out on the limb. And <laughs> that was so great. I know. I loved it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've met several times in in parking lots. To, to <laughs> um, yes. Lamont, yes. let me ask you this: uh, what what goes through your mind? When you go into a business and everybody who works in every other business besides where you work and the, the casinos in Atlantic City don't have to put up with that. I mean, what, what, does, does that occur to you? Of course. It, it's incredible. It, it's funny because when Nicole talks about the pregnancy, I worked in this industry since 1985, and I never won thought about a waitress or a pregnant dealer being in the smoky environment until we started this. And it's almost like your eyes open up to what's going on. The fact of a woman carrying a child and working every day in a smoke-filled environment, that's insane. And, and guys, there, as you all know, and gentle lady, there, there are numerous medical studies that show that that leads to low birth weight and other issues. It's, it's clinical, Bob. It's real. I know. And, and so uh, just for anybody who's listening doesn't understand this, a pregnant woman breathes in air. That air goes in, that oxygen goes in, into her lungs. That goes into her blood. Her blood mixes with the babies. Yeah. And so, so all this car, the carcinogens, the toxic stuff in smoke is going into her system mm -hmm. that is shared with the baby or babies if she has. And multiple. by the way, we all know that if someone, if a pregnant woman does drugs, the baby, of course, is born because the baby is also doing drugs. Uh, so the baby fe is fetal a alcohol spectrum disorders. Yeah, is, the baby's is, an unwilling smoker. Yes, yes. Um, we do have exactly. another. Um, exactly. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lamont. Well, well. First of all, I like to say, um, I like to say good morning to Mrs. Macarelli. That's that's a constant reminder <laughs> that when we started this, one of our primary goals was to let the state know that we're not just robots breaking in money for the state, that we all have spouses, we all have children. I've even got grandchildren. We have family members and friends that love us. 
because I, I think the state just sees us as numbers. Just as, as, as we've had an opportunity to talk to people to let them know that we're people. And maybe they, they can reflect on their family. You know what I mean? Yes. Try, we would love to find somebody whose niece works in the casino. Mm-hmm. Somebody in, in in casino management or or on the board of one of these uh, large somebody corporations. In the, somebody in the state. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. In the legislature. Well, let me tell you this. Absolutely. The the good news is, is that the bill to close this loophole is further along than it's ever been in the history of the world. Uh, In the last 15 or 16 years, bills have been introduced. They have gotten very little traction uh, and they have sometimes passed one whole chamber in our state in our state government, uh, either the assembly or the Senate, but never been posted for a vote in the other. And so. So we are at a, a pivotal point, and and something that Pete, I think Pete brought up is when when you went back on that July Fourth weekend when they started the smoking again after a whole year of being smoke free. That was because the governor's executive order was lifted because it had a time deadline. I just want to point that out. The the, the casinos didn't have to adhere to that. They could have voluntarily. Correct. They could have voluntarily extended that for the health of the workers and during a pandemic when we know that COVID could be in exhaled smoke droplets in the air. So, so I, you know, I'm just pointing that out that some casinos have voluntarily remained smoke free. I want to uh, introduce real briefly Danny O'Halloran. Danny is on the phone, and he is with DO Strategies. He is contracted through the Americans for Non-Smokers Rights Foundation to work on this here in New Jersey. And Danny and um, his colleague Chris Moyer are really um, – they're focusing this effort, and they're working with these – Harry, the, Nicole and Pete and Lamont are working very closely with Danny to help help them strategize uh, – and that's what they do. They do political strategizing, and 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 um, Chris is the the media guy, and Danny is like the on the boots on the ground guy. And so, Danny, good morning. Caller, are you there? <laughs> I always wanted to say that. You're looking for Danny? Yeah. Dan, Danny is here. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. You, you did it well. I was slow on the trigger. Danny, welcome to the program. Thanks for phoning in. What, what is your perspective on this? Yeah, um, well, well, like you said, uh, so I work with Americans for Non-Smokers Rights who for decades have worked on issues um, like this around the country, uh, but various smoking-related issues. And, and this right now is the time where smoking in casinos is, is a top priority of theirs. And they have really made New Jersey their top priority in the whole country, passing this bill. Because as you said, right now is the moment when uh, it has had more attention and more support than it ever has in the past in the more than 15-year-long fight for this. Uh, now there's an incredible amount of bipartisan support for it. There's support from legislators across all of New Jersey, across the entire political spectrum. And also there's uh, support from public opinion that shows that uh, people of New Jersey want this bill to pass and want smoke-free casinos, that customers want smoke-free casinos. And so um, I think what you said is exactly right, that now this has more support than it's ever seen before. And, and talk about, if you can... 
the will of casinos if if you could if you if you get my meaning i don't know if you were on hold before when harry and i were talking about how they seem to be um their rhetoric seems to be a little quieter have you noticed that yeah i mean i think what what you just said a moment ago is a really key point though which is that they have the authority to do this they could at any point decide that they wanted to do this on their own um but they haven't but yeah, that said, I mean, I think that the casinos see it just as well as um, anyone else can, that, you know, this has dozens of legislators co-sponsoring the bill, something that's basically unprecedented. You never see this many people putting their names on a bill saying, I'm going to attach my name to this to assure that it's going to pass. And I think it is making it clear to the casinos that um, the, the time is coming for this. Uh, you know, they know that Governor Murphy says that he would sign the bill. And I think that the the will of the casinos, um, you know, it, it's hard to predict what they're thinking. I don't know. Obviously, we're, the, their outward position is still that they're opposed to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope that they're seeing the winds of change, and I hope that they're uh, considering, you know, what how, how they'll approach the passage of this bill. And um, I would, you know, hope that they would come out in support of it. But uh, I think that what we've said all along is that the casinos won't, uh, their talking points are not correct. They are not going to face the negative consequences that they claim that there actually are. Is a great case to be made that they'll benefit from this. And and you know that for years that is what they have relied on is these false economic projections about losing business, layoffs. I mean, that's one thing that they love to throw around that they'll have to lay off thousands of workers if they had to go smoke free, that their profits, their revenues will go down, their profits will go down. The whole region, the whole state will be impacted, doom and gloom. And and we know now that that's just not true because of the numbers are so great post pandemic for the year it was smoke free. And even after it's just the casinos that have remained smoke free in other jurisdictions are doing phenomenal well isn't that right yeah yeah um not only are the casinos that have gone so free are their numbers doing well casinos in new jersey are doing great they're doing better than before um they they have plenty of economic opportunity here uh it's not that they're they're not struggling um but yeah really importantly is the examples there are out there of states where uh, this has gone great, or individual casinos where this has gone great. One talking point of the casino industry is that they'll lose business to Pennsylvania because there are casinos near Philadelphia that are non-smoking, and uh, customers would decide to go there. Well, we've seen over the past month voluntarily multiple casinos in the Philadelphia area are going smoke-free because they see how good it is for business. They haven't been mandated by the state to do so. They've made the individual business decision that this is going to be what's most profitable for them. We see it in Las Vegas for Park MGM. Uh, they've, they've renovated, they did an overhaul, and they decided we're going to open up smoke-free. Uh, they've been incredibly successful. Uh, and we see it in plenty of other states around the country. This isn't some sort of... Um, uh, unprecedented situation. This isn't something new. I think sometimes this gets framed as this is such a big deal in New Jersey uh, because it's never happened before. That's, that's simply not the case. There are plenty of states where they have never allowed smoking or they have gone smoke-free, and we have not seen disastrous economic impacts. And you can see it in states nearby. Danny, hold on. We're going to continue right after the break. Don't go away. We have Dr. Bob. We have Nicole, Lamont, Pete, and Danny. It's Atlantic Prevention Resources presents Dr. Bob Zlotnick, the president and the Chief Executive Officer of Atlantic Prevention Resources with Dr. Bob and this esteemed panel. I am. Early in the morning. 
WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. Set the first button on your car radio for South Jersey's talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We are back. Dr. Bob, time is yours. Thank you, Harry. Uh, we are, we call the program Under the Influence. That's what we've called this program for about the last 12 years. I didn't yes. come up with that name right away. but um, And, and I, I like to answer, answer the question, whose influence are you under? I'm stealing that quote from the feds. Uh, it is part of their drug prevention campaign. But in this question, whose influence are we under? Uh, and I want to go shoot back to Danny because he was in mid-sentence. Danny, this is a business issue and this is a, a political issue. And as a political strategist, you know best how things work. And to say that we've got dozens and dozens of senators and assembly people throughout the state signed on, people up in Morris County, Essex County, I mean, places that really have very little interest in people's health in Atlanta County other than the fact that they're elected officials here – what what has changed? Do you think? I mean, is, are we in different times, or is it is it just the right time? Are we are we at the right time? A little bit of a, a little bit of a few different factors, but what it really comes down to is that when you see such strong bipartisan support, such strong support across so many regions, so, so many different types of people coming behind this, who some are the types of legislators who typically think along the lines of business, and some are the ones who think along the lines of health. Health, they have all different backgrounds. And when they come together like this, it's because they see that the, the issue is just so clear. And they're doing what they're elected to do and what a legislature is for, which is represent the people that, they are, that they're sent to Trenton to represent. And so that's the casino workers. That's the people of New Jersey who are affected by this um, and who are negatively affected by this. And I think that, um, you know, Lamont and Nicole and Pete can talk well to the the health issues here and how, you know, these New Jersey residents that these legislators are sent to Trenton to represent, how they're affected and how this is something that costs their lives. And I think what's added up is that, you know, there there are, one, uh, such a clear understanding, um, even than there was when the Smoke Free Air Act was passed more than 15 years ago, of the effects of second Right, smoke. absolutely. There's a clear understanding you know, of the elements of, you know, that, that uh, air uh, filtration does not Doesn't work, work. these nope. things. You know, so, so and I think that the, the stories of the casino workers are really, their voices are finally being heard and, and how this affects them and what consequences it's had on their lives is, is much more obvious now than it might have been uh, a decade ago. You're right, Danny. And I want to go back to their voices because those are the voices, them, they, the three of the three founders uh, and leaders of this movement, CEASE, Casino Employees Against Smoking's Effects. And that can be found on Facebook. And there's uh, almost, I think, 2,500 or so members active uh, and, and hundreds of people mm-hmm. show up at their events. But I'm going to throw this back to you three and, and fight amongst yourselves about who's going to answer the question. But but this is a civil rights issue. This is an injustice. This is similar in some ways to injustices that have happened in our country in the past. And this is about righting a wrong, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Bob, uh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The legislator made their decision on on um, on whether this is healthy or not 15 years ago. They they said that smoking indoors, secondhand smoke, was um, so bad for humans that they, they it's not allowed anymore, except for in casinos. 
So when we go talk to lawmakers, um, which we, we have meetings with lawmakers to try to let them understand what we're going through, um, it, it, we, we almost, when we, when we talk before and after, it's almost absurd that we have to make these arguments. These arguments were already ruled upon. The, the lawmakers already said um, secondhand smoke is, is uh, very harmful to, to humans. So um, It says it right in the law. It, they don't let... Yeah, and the reason why the law was made was for uh, health reasons. Right. So it, it's crazy that we have to even argue that it's unhealthy, but you know, it, it's where we're at right now. Lamont? That, yes, uh, Dr. Bob, and, and I'm going to uh, pass this to Nicole, but like you said to Danny, this is a, a business issue. This is a political issue. Um, not really. Last, last week we did an interview on the boardwalk, television interview. I know I told Harry I have a face for radio, but <laughs> did you see that, Harry? Did and, you see the interview on CNBC? Yes. Okay. And we brought with us a very, very courageous coworker. Um, and I talked about families earlier. She's going through cancer treatment, and it, it, it affects her. It affects her husband. It affects her children. And and I, I would just before Nicole goes into what she's going through. I just want to know who in the legislature will tell her husband the dollar value for what they're going through right now. What's the dollar value for having your wife going through chemotherapy? What's the dollar value for that? Thank you, Lamont. Nicole? Yeah, um, guys. Yes, hi. Do you hear me? Yes, we can. Hello? Hello? Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the fact that we had, the fact that we did that interview and we had to ask a coworker if they're willing to speak up. First of all, she's on a medical leave and she is halfway through her chemotherapy treatments. She has, she's losing her hair. Um, you know, she, her state of mind right now shouldn't have to be speaking out about how secondhand smoke and how she has to go back into it worried that if it's going to right. maybe worsen her odds of that cancer returning um, or just just the what it did it cause it you know is my putting myself at risk worth it now she has benefits right through the casino mm -hmm. so she needs her job and there's plenty of dealers who are going through the same situation and I just want to thank Tammy for doing that for speaking out for on all their behalfs and our and the future cancer patients and and sick workers um, that she did this as a, such a brave person and she's speaking out on all their behalf and there's so many that are worried about listen I can't speak up I don't want to lose my benefits mm -hmm. they like to get rid of people like me you know so just doing that was amazing and the fact that she even had to come down to do that is pathetic it's pathetic so final and break we're going to be right back don't go away and then we'll be uninterrupted until six minutes past the top of the hour so we have a nice uh uninterrupted segment coming up with dr bob uh and with the entire panel nicole lamont pete and danny this is early in the morning with dr bob zlotnick we'll be back Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM.
WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square Media Station. And now a small business setback as assessed by a beloved family pediatrician. Oh, hey, Tiger. Big scary tree branch give your work truck a boo-boo? Yeah. Wow. See this thing on my phone here? It's the Progressive Mobile app. Just push that little button there and report your claim. boy. When owning a small business gets painful, Progressive Commercial is here to make it all better. Get a quote in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. <gasps> What's this? Candy drawer? Who wants a lollipop? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms and conditions. Photo claims not available in all states or situations. After 9-11, Ben Harrow couldn't wait to enlist in the Army. But in Afghanistan, Ben stepped on an IED while leading an anti-terrorism mission. Ben survived but lost both of his legs above the knee, two fingers, and sustained injuries to his right forearm. Ben now lives in a smart home from the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, which gave him back his independence despite his severe physical challenges. Help heroes like Ben. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We are back. Thank you, great one, with Dr. Bob Zlotnick at 56 minutes past the hour. So we have basically just under 10 minutes left. I, I Dr. Want, Bob? I want to go to the caller, Beverly, who's on hold, okay. who's been on hold for an hour. Yeah. And I apologize for not um, recognizing Beverly. Then we'll early. get the panel back she, after she, that. Harry, she's with the United Auto Workers Union. Okay. Good great. morning, Beverly, and thanks for your call. Thanks for hanging in there, Beverly. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, thank you for bringing such highlight to this um incredible incredible um goliath that all of us uh at the casinos have had to deal with for so many years i've been uh there for 40 years and uh, i'm the president of our dealers union and um two words stick out to me in everything that i've been listening to which is one uh courage um you know, we work in an industry that a lot of people don't understand, but for Pete, Lamont, and Nicole to take a stand, I mean, they're very courageous. Beverly, that's what Pete Harry and I were, I we, just said. We were that just talking about that during the break. Exact that, words. And and Harry said profiles of cur- in courage. Yeah. They just, I mean, it, it is a hugely courageous thing what you guys have done. And historically, you know, the squeaky wheel is the one that gets oiled. But casino workers didn't want to be the squeaky wheel because the squeaky wheel is the one that gets replaced by an entire new wheel or an entire yeah, new shopping cart. Yeah, carrying retribution yep, yep, and all yep. kinds of problems. Being being on the worst table in the worst corner. De- deemed a troublemaker, yep, this kind yep, of thing. Yep. So, so Absolutely, to- and that's the industry that we're in. Can- um, I've, and I'm sure that they can identify with this. You know, if you're on a game and somebody's blowing smoke in your face, I mean, I know where I work. We've had dealers fired because it was disrespectful to wave your hand to get the smoke out from going to your nose. So a lot of people don't understand the intense scrutiny that we're under when you have smokers on your game. You you don't just have one person who's playing that's smoking. That person comes with five friends, especially Hmm. if it's a bachelor party, and they all light up cigars. And there's only one person playing. And you have six people smoking a cigar or smoking pot. We know people are smoking marijuana, but you can, they can't find them. I mean, you smell, not only are we breathing in the carcinogens of cigarette smoke, 
You actually smell like marijuana well, now because Be- Beverly, you, you, the Be- Beverly, you just opened Pandora's box, and I didn't want to get into this, but since you brought it up, I'll mention uh-huh. it. That uh-huh. now, now that marijuana is legal and the casinos allow smoking and vaping, marijuana can be smoked in there if it is if it has less odor or if the terpenes are taken out and it is odorless. A, a cannabis oil and that exhaled secondhand vape or smoke can be uh, inhaled by employees or other patrons. And now we have a situation, and Nicole brought this up to me, where now a patron or a casino could become under the influence of marijuana against their will, not know it, and then get into a car crash on the way home or something. Wow. And, so, and be impaired drivers. Yeah. And so, Right, and how about how about the pregnant woman who's there just trying to make a livelihood? Right, and she's now have to <laughs> that as well. But the second word, the second word that I wanted to say was one courage, and um, Nicole Lamont and Pete, they have the heart of every casino worker. I can tell you that they have our heart, and everybody wants the same thing a smoke-free air environment Thanks. but the second the second word that i want to say is mercy we are at the mercy of our state legislators to protect us we need them to step up for us we're doing the best that we can for them they've led this campaign but we're at the mercy of them make the right decision and protect all the people in New Jersey. Beverly, Beverly, you brought up something super important. I just want to cut back to Danny for a minute, because Danny, how is this union influence from UAW and the commercial food workers and uh, and the other union, I forget what the uh, the, uh, CWA, how does that union influence impact this uh, this battle? Yeah, I mean, it's it's great that they've uh, come out and, and shown their support. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that um, UAW, the United Auto Workers, uh, is, despite their name, is the casino that represents dealers in Atlantic City. Um, not not all dealers um, are represented by a union, but the ones who are, they all fall under United Auto Workers. And so it's huge that the one and only uh, union that actually represents these workers has come out in full force to say, you know, this is a top priority of ours. We need this bill to pass. And they are advocating with legislators just as strongly as these workers are um, to, to make sure that this gets done. And then other unions who they are affected by a successful South Jersey economy. They know that their workers rely on uh, the casino industry for the jobs and the, uh, the benefits and the money that it brings to South Jersey. They have come out and said that they stand with this issue because, one, they know that it's the right thing to do. They stand in solidarity with these other workers. And also they believe that it's better for South Jersey. It's better for the people who live there. It's better for the people who work there. It's better for the economy as a whole. And so to have such strong union support and more and more unions coming together, it's huge, uh, huge in it. And it speaks to, you know, a lot of legislators look to the, um, yep. the voices that represent South Jersey and they say, you know, what do you think? And these are, um, three major voices that have come out and said, you know, we're, we're in support of this. And, and most people know that this was the reason u- unions were founded was worker safety, protections, things like that. And, and so I want to shoot back. Thank you, Danny. I want to shoot back to Nicole to kind of close this out. Nicole, who has been elected by Pete, Pete and Lamont to, 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 to end the segment today. Um, Nicole, uh, where, where do you think we're going to be in six months? I'm not quite sure. Um, I, all, all I know is I'm going I'm to do my hardest to keep on working, to get all the support from the legislators that we need. 
And uh, once we hit our numbers that we, we believe we will, um, we will then bring it up again and see what it would, if there's a holdup going or if we're going to be moving forward. Um, I just, you know, like, again, real quick uh, about Tammy and uh, going back to that Shepard Smith, we were quoted as the dogs who bark the loudest are heard by uh, Mr. Joe Lupo, who is the uh, Casino Association of New Jersey's president. And I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm not really into name callings. I know there are analogies he was using, but, um, you know, we are not barking dogs. We are people desperately fighting for our lives. Okay, so you get yourself in that life situation, you're going to be loud and you're going to be heard. And, uh, I'm, you know, again, we are fighting for our lives and we're fighting for others' lives. And that's all that's all it. That's what we're doing. Well, I'm glad that I'm on the same side as you, Nicole. Because. <laughs> 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 Uh, uh, Pete and Lamont know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's the thing. We we are we have this like, again, it's the closest it's ever been. It's because of the three of you and what you've done over the last year. It's because of ANR and and them providing so much support in in New Jersey for this on the ground and and through organizational and the unions. I mean, just imagine, Harry, if, say, um, Local 54 came on board and said we're now in favor of imagine what that would do if if the local union the the hotel and employee um, restaurant workers if they you know the valets and by by the the way you can see it's the it's where the intersection of politics and and just you know realities and they're they're they have a contract issue right now i know you know there's a presidential election yep so it's true um very challenging all right well i want to thank pete and lamont and nicole we have to go in about 30 seconds So uh, I I thank you, and we are definitely going to be talking about this again, either the same way or to to, to do Monday morning quarterbacking after it's all over and we've won. I'm always impressed to listen to Dr. Bob and this esteemed panel of Nicole, Lamont, Pete, and uh, also Danny and Beverly. It's nice to meet your acquaintance today over the air and on the program. Dr. Bob, thanks for a uh, a very uh, interesting visit. I had to stand up. I was I getting too I worked know. up. There's too much going on. Uh, to be continued. Dot, dot, dot. It's, it's certainly uh, not over at this point. Uh, Brian Kilmeade is next. By the way, quick programming note, I will be filling in tomorrow all across America for Brian Kilmeade tomorrow. We will be guest hosting the Brian Kilmeade Show all over America and right here on WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 South Jersey's number one talk station, all because of you and we know it. Have a great day. I will see you on the app and at WPG Talk Radio.